0: I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady, this week they got Brady. We're doing it, we're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. Alright, so, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about this stuff. Am I going to get sued? We got legal on this?
1: I yeah, like football, like football season, all the things that go with it.
0: Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live, live on YouTube here, ready to go through all the week 14 NFL action. It's a full slate, Sam. They're making us work extra.
1: Overtime? Again. We yes. get
0: overtime pay? I think we just get standard time. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. And you. then they took money away from us on shorter weeks. <laughs>
1: standard time, there's just more of it. Yes. I right, got it. Gotcha.
0: So uh, mm-hmm. we got to be quick. We got to hard out here, so we got to go through all the games. Yeah. Sound good? In just two hours. In just two hours. Can we do it? Set the tight. timer. Pretty tight. Here we go. Week 14, it's going to start in Pittsburgh. New, uh, New England Patriots at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Looking like a Mitchell Trubisky versus Bailey Zappi matchup, though. No. Bill Belichick, once again, is mum on his quarterback situation. Mum. Yeah. Because uh, there's a s- schematic advantage, potentially, to not knowing if you're facing Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. or really which,
1: which terrible quarterback is going to start.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Patriots have scored uh, 30 points since October.
1: Hmm.
0: It's December. Yeah. And uh, it's the Steelers by six with one of the lowest totals I think you'll ever see in a game. It's right around 30, I believe. But uh, the Patriots haven't had a game go over 17 also in a month. So it's a fascinating game here on Thursday Night Football.
1: Yeah, and they might need, they might not need to score more than a touchdown to cover that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I mean, the Chargers covered the five and a half spread last week, winning 6-0. That's what I'm saying.
1: What are you looking for in this game, Sam? Um, I mean... I guess the only really interesting thing is Pittsburgh side, right? You expect the Patriots to be similarly inept this week to previous weeks. Their defense is really good, but their offense is maybe the worst in the NFL right now. So with Pickett out, it's Trubisky. Does the offense continue to look, um, you know, functional? Does do they target the middle of the field? Just what does it look like generally with Trubisky in there uh, versus Kenny Pickett and you know, can they bounce back from a week ago where they continued to target the middle of the field, but it was a bit of a come down from the first performance, right, where everything was good post-Matt
0: Canada. Yeah, they're still not putting points on the board, which is uh, the next step for the Steelers. They're moving the ball. They are attacking the middle of the field. Have a fun stat on that one. Um, The last two weeks since Matt Canada has been fired, the Steelers have 25% of their middle of the field completions for the season just over the last two weeks. So A quarter of their middle of the field a completions. A quarter of their middle of the field completions come for, the, Canada. for the season have come over the last two weeks of the year. Yep. We're in week 14 right now. So they have explored all areas of the field. I am, I am uh, intrigued by Mitchell Trubisky. I'm always a little intrigued by Mitchell Trubisky because I thought last year he played all right for Pittsburgh with Matt Canada. Last week, small sample size. They were you know, playing from behind, and he, he played all right. But this is the first time we've seen Trubisky you know, without Canada, new system. We'll see if he can uh, do some damage here. But, yeah, New England's defense is playing pretty well. They just can't move the ball offensively. Everyone's expecting a low-scoring game, but it's Thursday night football, so who knows what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, new England's out Ramondre Stevenson, so even their ability to lean on the run game, it's going to be uh, feeding Zeke here for the Patriots, Beating as team. you mentioned on Sunday, in uh, in creative ways.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, their offense, like the game plan initially was pretty depressing. It was just how many different ways can we figure out how to hand the ball off or throw a bubble screen, and then, you know, Ramondre Stevenson goes down with the the hip drop, ankle injury. Now it's just Zeke. <laughs> it's like, okay, there's, there's a pretty limited way that this offense can have success, right? Either somebody takes a bubble screen to the house or Zeke, the feeding of Zeke actually has success, and that's just not likely.
0: All right, six-point spread for Pittsburgh. Where are you leaning in this one?
1: Uh, Pittsburgh will cover six points, and the under will hit.
0: In the under? <coughs> yeah,
1: under is like, or the over-under, I think it's 30 points. New De- England has- Even uh, now?
0: What is it exactly? So 30. It's 30? Yeah. Yikes. Every week I feel like New England can't be that bad like my uh, Not my, can, my Broncos analysis on the uh, the, d- the defense it can't be that bad every single week.
1: Pittsburgh's going to win like 15 to
0: 3. 15 to 3. Yeah. New England's 2 and 10 uh, minus 106 point differential. Is that worst in the NFL? No, it's just worse in the AFC. New England's sitting there holding on to the number 2 overall pick. So there's a lot of draft watch here going on on Thursday night football i'll take pittsburgh again as well
1: this is going to be a good uh al michaels watch game you know deep into the third quarter <laughs> Al's about ready to jump off this the stadium stanchion he'll
0: he'll be keeping it you, you know he took the under he probably he's, he's oh, yeah. probably taking the he's, under well that's
1: the thing like most of the fourth quarter will be updates on you know where we are relative to the over-under
0: yes I'm, I'm looking In forward cryptic to,
1: terms, because for some reason we still can't just nakedly say that on the yeah. broadcast.
0: The whole thing's brought to you by DraftKings and everything, but right. you know, you can't can't talk about it. Um all right, so we're both I'm gonna take New I'm gonna go late, take New England. They've had some red zone woes that I think will revert back here to at least keep it close within the within the six here. Okay. Nine to uh it'll be nine to four. Nine to four Pittsburgh. Is that Skoragami? Uh, I think it would be. Um, As a parent, you've had to learn so many new skills to provide for your family, how to do copious amounts of laundry, meal plan for even the pickiest eater, and now how to protect your family's financial future. Fabric by Gerber Life provides an easy one-stop shop for your family's financial needs, offering high-quality term life insurance policies plus other financial solutions in one easy online hub. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com/pffnfl. That's meetfabric.com/pffnfl. M E E T fabric.com/pffnfl. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, do we have a Discord game of the week or just get to the two biggest games here?
1: Uh, that's a good call.
0: Let, uh, let me look. Let's not look and just get to the two biggest games here. and We can circle yeah, could circle back if we need too. to. Um, so, Bills Chiefs and then Eagles Cowboys. Let's start with the Bills at the Chiefs, 425 on Sunday. Obviously, what the NFL I – mean, look, the NFL put this schedule together. And they said, on this week, in week 14, the fans are going to get to see Bills Chiefs and Eagles Cowboys. In back-to-back windows. Now the Bills Chiefs, I think it's still going to be a great game. Maybe it's lost a little luster because Buffalo's record is not great, but it still means a lot. And The Chiefs are 8-4, and four, coming off some, you know, an uneasy month or so in Kansas City where they're not looking like the Chiefs over the last few weeks overall. And then the Bills, who are defying the odds as a really productive team that cannot win games. Kansas City's favored by one and a half
1: here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's still a really good game. It's just different to what people thought it would be. The stakes are different. Yeah, like this preseason, this would have looked like a game that had the potential to be an AFC championship preview or number one versus number two um, in the AFC, all those kinds of things. Instead, it's like Buffalo kind of needs this game to stay alive and Kansas City has been wobbling and not looking like themselves and are actually quite vulnerable in a game like this against a team such as Buffalo, who, despite losing a lot of games, continue to look you know good enough to beat anybody and well capable of winning this type of game, so neither team is necessarily where we thought they would be, but they're both still AFC contenders and compelling matchup and all those kinds of things.
0: You could argue that it means just as much, but for the stakes are different in this game, but it is just as important because this is it's really instead of a battle for the number one seed, it's a sky is falling game for both teams. Because if, if Buffalo loses, they fall to six and seven. Mm. They're already the number 11 seed in the AFC. Several teams ahead of them sitting at seven and five. Teams that you still, like you wouldn't want to play the bills in the playoffs compared to some of the other teams ahead of them. Yeah. But if they fall to six and seven, I mean, they might be done for the year. And then with Kansas City, if they fall to seven and five, seven and five, Kansas City Chiefs, they're going from battling for the number one seed to sitting there with you know. No, they
1: uh, sorry, they wins. would be
0: they'd be eight and five. Yeah. But if they're eight and five, they'd be sitting there with potentially Pittsburgh and Cleveland and the Colts and the Texans as far as um record goes. Yeah. So it is a massive game, as but the stakes are different because we thought this would be a battle for, you know, number one seed and home field advantage, but it's 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 a little different this time around. Yeah, even I mean
1: I don't even know that the, like, if the Chiefs make the playoffs, it's pretty much the same. It doesn't really matter. Like, number one seeding and the the bye week and the home field advantage, that's all great, but nobody doubts the fact that Kansas City, if they're in, has the capacity to go on the kind of run and make the Super Bowl and do whatever. The the problem would be more the performance. If we have another game where Kansas City's offense doesn't look like itself, and by itself, I mean last year or previous years. Like, if it has another game where it doesn't look right – and, you know, Mahomes, we said this on the show yesterday, right? Mahomes is, is held up as the gold standard of quarterback in today's NFL. That's the guy everyone wants. Everyone wants the next Mahomes, the best QB in the NFL. I mean, he isn't this year. He's grading like 10th or 11th or something. Like he's 10 grading points off where he can be and where he's been in the past and where the best quarterback in the NFL is. Mahomes and the Chiefs offense and the receivers None of it looks like what we expect from this group. So if they have another game where that misfires, it's that that's the problem, not the loss. Like if they lose a game 8-5, and sure, that dumps them down with a bunch of other teams. But as long as they make the playoffs, I don't think that really matters. It's more
0: if they don't find an offense at some point, that's the issue. Yeah, as far as Kansas City goes, I am of the minds that most of the time, like obviously only one team wins every year, breaking news. And with every other team you usually look back and you say, hey, here are these weaknesses that popped up during the regular season that were the reason we lost in the postseason. I wouldn't be surprised either way, right? If the, when, when the Chiefs get into the playoffs, if they make a run, I don't think anybody's gonna be surprised. They've been there before they've done that. But if they lose a game score in 17 points, you're gonna say, oh, of course. Yeah. We saw that all regular season. So that's what, to me, the margin for error for the Chiefs is just much smaller than it's been in previous years. And now their defense hasn't played as well. In, in, uh, in the last few weeks?
1: Well, what's really different I think is, so previously it didn't matter for the Chiefs if they had a bad game or if things got away from them or if they were down you know, multiple scores, none of that mattered because you knew that this offense in an instant could click, put up three touchdowns, erase a 21 point lead and keep on trucking, right? But now the way that they are underachieving, that's not happening. So actually, they're way more vulnerable to things going wrong this year because they don't have that explosive ability to just click and erase all the negative that's already happened. Like the Chiefs at their best the last few years always reminded me of those 98 Vikings where it didn't matter what the score was because you knew that it would only take two minutes for this offense to connect, you know, Randy Moss, big play, boom, seven, boom, Robert Smith, there's, there's 14 points, done. We've immediately swung the game back in our direction. That was what the Chiefs were like, right? You put them in a 21-point hole in the first quarter, pff, who cares? It just means we're going to go, like, cra- pass crazy and, and do what we want to do anyway. But now they're not doing that. They're not able to score at will. They don't have the receivers to make that happen. Even if they did, defenses might be pivoting to take that away as a general concept. So things that go wrong for this offense are a much bigger problem and any weaknesses they have are a bigger deal because they're not able to just offset them by, you know, a Mahomes to Tyreek Hill connection that, that scores in a, in a heartbeat.
0: So we know some of the history here. This is, um, sometimes you get these weird runs from a scheduling standpoint. This is the fifth straight matchup they've had in Kansas City, two of which were from the playoffs, but the third straight regular season matchup in Kansas City. They haven't played in Buffalo, I think, since 2020. The Bills have won the last two regular season games. Um, 21 and 22, both games in October, earlier in the year, where it was kind of like a early season statement game for the Bills. In 2021, though, that's the season where they had the epic overtime game, the 13-second game. Kansas City won like 42-36, I believe it was. Um, And Kansas City also won in the 2020 AFC Championship. So Casey's gotten them in the last two playoff games, but the Bills have gotten them in the last two regular season games. you also have some injuries on the Chiefs side. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco didn't practice yesterday. Donovan Smith at left tackle, unlikely to play, I believe. Juanye Morris, uh, rookie out of Oklahoma, likely to play left tackle. Um, you put a non-model rookie out there, times Sam Oof. for uh, Mahomes. Not this just a non-model him. guy, like a don't look at him guy. <laughs> <laughs> don't even look at him. And avert your eyes. Guy. Take take him off the board. I'm just saying, might be some matchups to exploit here for the Bills. So the Bills have played like, at least in the regular season, they've played pretty well against the Chiefs. It feels like one of those games where Buffalo could use Matt Milano. He's always been like the quarterback of that defense. They need Von Miller to step up. They need somebody to step up from a pass rushing standpoint in Buffalo.
1: Yeah, I mean they need they they also obviously need to stop shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, one of the differences I think between Buffalo and Kansas City this year is that Buffalo does still have the capacity to score at will, put up points, you know, be explosive, have big plays. They've demonstrated that ability in a way that the Chiefs haven't really. Um, But they keep shooting themselves in the foot with turnovers and just not even the volume necessarily. Like the Vikings have the volume thing with turnovers. The Bills, it's not as bad as that. It's just the timing has been atrocious.
0: Last time we saw the Bills, they're coming off a bye. Two weeks ago, they they lost to the Eagles 37-34, but they were, you know, like other teams have done against the Eagles – in control of that game until they blew it in the yeah. second half. We've got two games with Joe Brady calling plays for Buffalo. Both games involved more Josh Allen running, more Josh Allen taking over, and that Allen in that Eagles game, it was like the superhuman Allen other than the one time he misread coverage and threw the ball to James Bradbury, but he was running the ball like crazy, making big plays and um and throwing the ball all over the yard. I'm expecting them to try yeah. to do the same.
1: I don't know if that's um I don't know if that's sort of a, a new play caller thing Joe Brady versus Ken Dorsey or if it's simply we have reached the point now where there is there is no margin for error so yeah. we can't shelve you the way that we may have been trying to do earlier in the season this this concept of you know we really need to take stuff off Josh Allen's plate so that he can be healthier and so that he doesn't get hurt as often and blah 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 now it's like dude we need you I, I, <laughs> we would have loved to take things off your plate having said that we're 500 in staring, you know, playoff elimination in the eyes, we actually need you to go out there and make
0: plays. So I'm sorry, it's all on you again. Um, One more thing with the Chiefs, this is the third straight game. I don't know if this matters, but I believe it's the third straight game. The team that they're playing has extra rest. So they played, um, the Packers last week were coming off of a Thanksgiving game. I think the Raiders were coming off a bye, but the Bills are coming off of a bye. Playing them here, I don't know how much that actually matters, but there's still this element of the Chiefs as defending champs, getting the best from their opponents, right? They got they got a good like the Raiders' offense played well a couple weeks ago relative to what they could do. They they got the best from the Packers, um, so it's a you know it, the schedule doesn't look daunting for Kansas City, but they get every team's best, and this is probably their most difficult game for the rest of the year. If you're Kansas City, there's two ways this can go. You're either eight and five coming out of this or you get past this game and you say okay we've got patriots raiders bengals chargers to finish the season the path to the number one seed is actually smooth sailing so um huge game pivotal for a lot of different reasons just um not what we expected yeah
1: one other um sort of critical injury issue or, or relevant player for this game drew tranquil left the the packers game with a concussion generally guys that have been concussed in one game miss at least a week and 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 don't play the next week if he misses they're in the same situation as they were in that game right down to the third string middle linebacker Nick Um, Bolton
0: might be back this week though coming off of IR
1: that would be huge Nick Bolton might be back this week I know some
0: Chiefs fans who don't like Nick Bolton PFF grading likes Nick Bolton he's been a very good run defender over the last couple years so I think that would be a big return
1: Yes, yeah, it would be huge because otherwise they're back to that situation of relying on Jack Cochran and against a team like Buffalo where A, they could target the middle of the field with um, you know, tight ends or, or even wide receivers, and B, you've got to concern yourself with not just the play call but the threat of Josh Allen at any given moment to either take off or be part of that design run game. So I would say this is a more uh, important game than most to have a middle linebacker on top of his
0: game. Don't let the records fool you. Six and six Bills versus the eight and four Chiefs. Still a great game. Chiefs favored by one and a half. Just yeah. one and a half at home. Where are you going with this one?
1: Right. I mean, that shows you exactly what you're saying, right? Like, forget the records. Vegas sees this as a very close game, a coin flip. If not, the Bills are a better team because they're only slight underdogs on the road. Um, I'm going to bank on, I guess, the Bills. I think they'll win
0: this because they need it. Yeah, I'm going to take Buffalo again. I don't love this. I take Kansas City almost every single week, no matter what the spread is. Mm. But um, Buffalo's done a nice job during the regular season the last couple weeks. I'm going to lean on that trend. And I think, again, the Bills are better than their 6-6 six and six record. And the Chiefs have shown some, uh, some weaknesses this year. So I like, uh, I like Buffalo as well. All right, let's tell you about our prize picks lineup for this weekend. Who put this together? Eli? Yeah, Eli put this together he's got some he's got notes he doesn't in there too um, so we're going with TJ Hawkinson Vikings tight end more than fifty-two and a half receiving yards Nico Collins a Texans receiver with more than 57 and a half receiving yards and then Adam Thielen more than 55 and a half receiving yards so we're believing in a lot of yards
1: for yeah.
0: these guys uh Eli producer Eli says Nico Collins has cleared this number in the last three games I I like I expect that one. him to see more targets with Tank yeah. Dell done for the year.
1: I like that one. Now, it's against the Jets, so it's a tough matchup. But I, I like the logic of no Tank Dell. Nico Collins is going to be their primary target. He will probably get more than 57 and a half yards. So, Hawk has that.
0: gone more than this in five out of the last six. Also like that logic. I think that makes perfect sense. And then Adam Thielen hasn't touched this number in quite a while. <laughs> but um, Bryce yeah. Young likes him.
1: That's the one that's a little strange to me. But, you know, it, it, this is this is Eli shooting for redemption.
0: I believe in Eli this weekend, and you can too. And you can play because with basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at ten and a half combo of three pointers made plus receptions. You can play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players, right? like rapper Meek Mill or comedian Andrew Schultz. You can go to the community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries for some of the biggest names in the Picks community every single week. And PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, their player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So you can go to prizepix.com PFFNFL, use code PFFNFL. For a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash PFFNFL. Use code PFFNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. And we're all rooting for uh, for Eli for his PrizePicks lineup this weekend. All right, the other game of the week, Sunday Night Football. And then we'll circle back to Discord. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys. Rematch from a few weeks ago. Dallas is favored by 3.5. It's the second straight week the Eagles who have the best record in the league have been underdogs in their game last week. I uh, it gave me pause last week. I thought, hey, home underdog Eagles, mm-hmm. I'll take it. I was wrong. How did that work? The <laughs> Niners absolutely <laughs> waxed them. And yeah. I, I, it is interesting if if the Eagles weren't a Super Bowl team last year, if they weren't, if they didn't have this track record of two years, Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts winning all these games. Would we be saying, ah, oh, they keep sneaking it out? They keep, you know, they keep grinding it out, and the the underlying metrics aren't great. They're 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 a lucky ten-win team now, ten and two. It feels like Vegas is catching on to that. Dallas favored by three and a half here. Both teams kind of trending in different directions.
1: The, the the two Super Bowl teams from a year ago feel very similar. It's just that one of them has been punished by more losses in that run than the other. Like Philadelphia and Kansas City have both struggled to hit the level of play. That they were at a year ago um and it's just that the eagles haven't really run into too many losses off the back of that uh but we've been sort of saying you know all year long hey they haven't been playing as well as they did yet last year but we know it's there because it's pretty much the same personnel across the board particularly on offense so it's 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 in there it's going to come back at some point but maybe it won't like this might just be the eagles which is a less good version than they were last season um, and if that's the case, then they are vulnerable to a team like Dallas, who are better than they were a year ago, and have the best pass rush in the NFL, and have more weaponry for Dak Prescott, and have Dak Prescott playing better than he was a year ago. I mean, the Cowboys are a better team, and the Eagles are a worse team than they were
0: a year ago. The uh, quote dunks were strong yesterday in the Twitter sphere. Yeah. The X sphere. X sphere. Twitter sphere is better. Did you see all the quote dunks on? NFL Network analyst, David Carr. Yes, I did. Who, um, I mean, I think he was trying to get at Jalen Hurts isn't the best, isn't the same quarterback because he's hurt. Yes. Which I think you can, you can make a fair case for that. You probably can't make a fair case. You definitely can't. No. For the other part of it, which is that Jalen Hurts um, would be, uh, that Marcus Mariota would be an upgrade <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> over Jalen Hurts. He had but, a— By the way, really quick, Marcus Mariota, former teammate of Derek Carr, and we know that David Carr's right. NFL network analysis is usually directly tied to his brother and his friends. Yes. Like, he's the older brother who, like, hangs out with his little brother and his friends and thinks they're all great. Like, that's, that was the analysis on Marcus Mariota, I think.
1: He had a small kernel of a good point and then went out of his way to make it into a terrible point with everything he said about it. So his his vague point was... Jalen Hurts is injured, not playing the way Jalen Hurts played last season, and the Eagles actually need him playing like that in the playoffs. So sit him down now and get him healthy because it doesn't really matter. Like I said with the Chiefs, it doesn't really matter if they're the one seed or the seven seed as long as they're in, right? Right. What you need is your quarterback playing at his strongest in January so that you can go on a run and win the Super Bowl. Now, he turned that, which I think is a fair argument to make, into – the way Jalen Hurts is playing right now, Marcus Mariota is a better quarterback for this offense, particularly as a passer. You're like, well, that's just dumb.
0: The whole right? thing jumped what the you've shark done, too yeah, quickly.
1: What you've done is taken a reasonable point and made it outright stupid, and people are just going to spend their entire time dunking on that as a point, rather than engage with the thing you were saying, which is a reasonable point to make. So, outstanding job by David Carr to take a sensible point and make it as stupid as humanly possible for a 90-second segment masterful work
0: it's because it's his brother's friend um i mean that's really the bottom like we we say a lot of things we might even say some stupid things oh we say some stupid things. so i have i have sympathy for that empathy even for uh people who say stupid things but he just he said too many words but that's
1: one of those ones as well where it's not like you know most of the dumb things we say are off the cuff you know you just you gotta fill you know two hours of content You got to. Your brain's got to work fast. Sometimes your your sometimes your mouth runs faster than your brain. And at the end of the show, you're like, "Yeah, I kind of wish I hadn't said that," but it's out there now, right? This was a pre-prepared segment that they like debated, talked about, teed up, and then he went went ham for ninety seconds, like off the back of this. But
0: you could see them being like, "I'm like, here's what I'm going to do, Mr. Producer on NFL Network. I'm going to make the point that the Eagles." Could sit Jalen Hurts and there'll be better in the long run. All right, David, good point. And then he just gets going, (laughs) and then it's like he just went too far. And and another thing, (laughs) I would also add that Marcus Mariota is better than Jalen Hurts right now. Oh no, what are you doing? You took it too far. So yeah, he took it. He just took it too far. I will say there's something. There's certainly something different about the Eagles' offense this year. The other thing though, I I don't know that.
1: Even the initial point, which is the only thing I've given any credence to in this whole thing, I don't even know if that's true, because...
0: Oh, it's certainly not slam-dunk true.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts is playing fine, and it's not like he's even visibly... It's not like Joe Burrow early in the season, right, where he couldn't move, and you're like, uh, him being out there might be the best option you have, though, from what we've seen with Jake Browning, maybe it wasn't. Um, But like it's a very, very diminished version of Joe Burrow. And it's like th- there's a real question to be asked about whether this is – there's any point in having him out there now. Jalen Hurts is still playing well, is still scrambling around, is still yeah. the bedrock of this offense. It, it's a pretty – you know, it's a stretch to be like he's hurting himself and the team to be out there right now. We need to sit him down.
0: Yeah, and, and there's two ways to look at You know, they had this run of – the Eagles were when they were down 10, they'd won their last five or six games and it didn't matter and i i look at that two ways it's like, you know, don't fall down 10. I think that's why the underlying metrics are not as good for the Eagles. Last year they used to get up early. They used to dominate and then they would just kind of coast in the second half and win 28 to 14 or something but they were up 28 nothing. This year it's kind of been in reverse. I think they deserve credit for making those comebacks though. Jalen Hurts there's something to knowing how to operate when playing with a deficit and how to get the ball to your playmakers and when to be aggressive and when to be conservative. And I think the Eagles and Hurts have done a really nice job of that. They got down last week. They just, they ran into a juggernaut of, of the 49ers. I also wonder, we talked about the emotional aspect of this. The Eagles have just gone from playing Dallas, uh, Kansas City, Buffalo, and then the Niners last week. It is a run. You don't see runs like that in the NFL very often. There's a few teams like Dallas is about to start one Hmm. where you're playing tough team after tough team after tough team. And I said this weeks ago, I think the Eagles in Dallas are close. Now it's from a Cowboys perspective. I predicted weeks ago that Dallas would win the game in Dallas. I think that's fair. Now the Cowboys, they have to answer the question, can you beat a good team? Yeah. And you know, again, we, I tend to poo poo the touchy feely stuff, the emotional stuff of football, or at least diminish it compared to others. But I am in agreement now, Dallas has to win one of these games. Dallas has to beat one of these good teams. So when they face them in January, they said, we've done this before we can do it again.
1: I don't even know. I mean, obviously their season, it's all about none of this matters until January, right? Like Dallas needs to show up in the playoffs and show they can beat a good team. This is definitely a really useful stepping stone in that direction, as was last week, by the way. Like up until last week, their season had been beat bad teams or lose against good teams. Nothing in the middle. That was a game in the middle where they ran up against Seattle, who's a pretty good
0: team and was like the best team that they had seen in five or six weeks
1: and gave them a couple of shots you know gave them a couple of punches and they were able to ride that come back win the game so I think that was an important stepping stone it was some kind of middle ground this would be another one but yeah they are going to go on a run now where it's like we don't really know what Dallas is they play Philadelphia now then at Buffalo at Miami against Detroit and then at Washington for the final game of the season. We're going to have a pretty good idea yeah. what this team is by the end of the season even if none of it matters until you get to January. So, it's an important game. I don't know if it's that important. Um there's a few matchups though that are going to be fascinating. Obviously, Dallas's pass rush against Philadelphia's offensive line. I also wonder if what happened to Duran Bland against Seattle yeah. is a bit of a red flag for Dallas and a bit of a signal flare for the Eagles uh our guy hawk was on nfl network i think think he's on espn now maybe it was espn it was one of the studio shows anyway and he was before the Seattle game essentially saying that you know bland has the five pick sixes and it's all good but like that's gonna get him gambling too much just the fact that he has wasn't even sort of highlighting hey based off the tape he's gambling too much he was like the dude has five pick sixes when you have five pick sixes, you're going to start jumping right. too Something mentally
0: is going to happen that you want to keep doing that.
1: Yeah, and then the Seattle game happened and the dude got taken for like a buck 69 or whatever it was and, and multiple touchdowns and almost a third, but they took it away on review. Do the Eagles see that and go, I know this guy has five pick sixes and a bunch of good plays on the ball, but we can get him with double moves or even not double moves, but like, A.J. Brown can beat this guy one on one if we put yeah. the ball in his coverage.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting because it, I, I didn't check the numbers on it, but it feels like Bland is is really good at jumping out cuts. And not every pick six was an outcut or whatever, right. but it does feel like that's kind of his game. And Seattle was getting him on in cuts, post and um, well, even slants. It, yeah, like they were getting like, creating a ton of separation on those plays. Is what I'm saying. And if you do get A.J. Brown and De'Ron Bland, that's a huge advantage for the Eagles because that's his game.
1: Obviously, you know, double moves are the most obvious way of, like, taking a guy that's, that's gambling too much on that first move. But even, like, that first slant for D.K. Metcalf against him, like, obviously that's not a double move. But I think those are the types of plays where he's being hyper-aggressive on the first move, even if there isn't a second move his angle or whatever is slightly different on the first move because he's going for the pick. He's not going right. to break it up. So if you can put just a bit more air under it or, you know, target it just a bit further away, if you can clear him trying to break on the route, you can get in behind him and then what should have been, you know, a fifteen yard play goes to the house because he's completely sacrificed, you know, being able to tackle the guy in favor of going for the pick.
0: I will say though, like I and I tweeted it at the time the the part of the reason why coverage stats tend to fluctuate so much is how dependent they are on the quarterback like geno smith threw absolute dimes to dk metcalf yeah. i mean it's risky three or four of those yeah right that first one that went 77 yards or whatever it was was right on dk metcalf and then it's like all right and not know, even Deron just right on gets all the stats yeah
1: not even just right on him but like high and away. Uh, yes. Like yeah that's the thing this is why this is a risky strategy right because if that ball had bad ball location on it if he just missed by half a yard, right? If instead of up here and high, right at his hands, it's slightly low and behind, that's where Duran Bland is. So you need to be guaranteed that your quarterback can put that ball exactly where he wants it if you're going to do this, because the whole point is, he is driving on those first routes, the first move.
0: And, and not, I'm not trying to diminish Duron Bland's awesome season in the pick sixes, but you're dependent on Sam Howell being a little late Mac Jones being late and inside, right? All the, whoever, whoever the quarterbacks were each time, um, you're dependent on them being a little off. And then you, you go make the play and, you know, credit for making the play, but yeah, you're dependent on the QB. Um, all this said, I can't even believe we were having that Jalen Hurts discussion because last week he was the favorite to win MVP. He had led a massive comeback against the Bills. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not much had, like people weren't that concerned about the Eagles until one game um so huge game we could talk about it all day but we don't have all day no so dallas by three and a half sam where you going
1: Uh, all right i'll do it once i'll buy into dallas beating a good team goodish um they're gonna win and cover
0: i'm doing the same thing i'll also take dallas
1: it's a one time deal if they don't get it done this week i'm out forever then you're not going
0: to pick them against as you they have buffalo next week yeah then who Buffalo, Miami. Miami, and then the Lions. Detroit, and then Washington away for the final game of the season. At least four straight games. And at Washington's, no cakewalk. They got waxed there last year in Week 18 as well.
1: Yeah, and by the way, if they win this game, they're in the hunt for that Number one seed.
0: I think the Eagles would still have the tiebreaker technically, but they'd both yeah. have three three losses. The nine, so the Dallas would all be total battle.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. if if San Francisco wins, if Detroit wins, like all of those teams would would be on ten wins. But, yeah. but the point being, Dallas would be in the tiebreaker mix with number one seed. They've gone the presumption all the way along this season has essentially been Philadelphia is getting the top seed or at least winning the division, and Dallas is going to have to do what they're going to do from a wild card spot. You know, and we've been saying, hey, Atlanta versus Dallas, like. They could go this weekend essentially could jump themselves like you just need some game to break in your direction
0: over the final month of the season and everything's going through dallas man if dallas loses this game and then they go to miami a couple weeks from now and neither team can beat a good team it's gonna be a tie it's gonna be a tie right a tie. predicted a dallas miami tie in a few weeks all right it's gonna be a great day of football bills chiefs eagles cowboys plus a whole bunch of other games that we're gonna go through yeah a lot quicker right now mm. um so discord game of the week tampa bay bucks at the Atlanta Falcons. It's all on our Discord. You guys can all join. I, I dive in there every now and again and jump into some of those conversations.
1: The Bills Chiefs 100%. was also a very close Discord
0: uh, vote. Um, this one's close because Atlanta's favored by one and a half. It's in Atlanta. Uh, Falcons won the first matchup 13-10 in Tampa Bay. And first place is on the line here in the NFC South.
1: Mm-hmm. What
0: are you looking for in this one?
1: Man, I'm kind of... I'm sort of done with the Falcons in terms of being interested in the offense. Like, it's it's a kind of fun offense to watch, but it's I'm so fed up with the discourse of like Arthur Smith versus the world. You
0: know, how I do just, you not want to watch this offense? They ran a play cause with no Ritter right tackle it. a couple of weeks ago and ran it there. Yeah,
1: because Desmond Ritter just kind of ruins it. I'm like, I want a good quarterback in this offense.
0: Had, then I'm interested again. He had a couple good play. He had a couple good passes last week.
1: Yeah, and what impressive. about the rest of it?
0: wasn't great. Yeah. It's still a creative run game there. Um, the matchup I think against the Bucks' run defense is always a, a good one. Uh, remember in the first matchup, I would say the Falcons, so the Falcons kind of like let the Bucks have an opportunity to win in the end. This was the game where Desmond Ritter dropped a snap in the red zone and also was about to score. And Antoine Winfield made one of the plays of the season, tracking him down and um, forcing the fumble right at the goal line to save a touchdown. I mean the Falcons I think it was 13 to 10, right they left potentially two touchdowns on the table like they were an inch away from scoring 20 and you know they they played well enough to score 23, 27 points. So I think the Falcons are a better team 16 13 16, 13. sorry um, so yeah the Falcons did enough to score a lot of points against the Bucks. Um, Bucks last week had to rely on Mike Evans you know you never know if he's just going to take over a game like he did last week That was unbelievable could be a Chris Godwin squeaky wheel game. There's a little controversy around Tampa Bay. He's been banged up with injuries, didn't see any targets, but he also had a touchdown on an end around. Mm. Um, Todd Bowles made some statement that he just, you know, they were subbing him in and out, so he didn't get targets, but he was playing the same number of snaps as he always does. And his wife called him out. First. And his wife called him out. Right? Chris Godwin's so, wife, not Todd Bowles' wife. Correct. Chris Godwin's wife was calling out Todd Bowles for, for making excuses that weren't valid mm. for why Chris Godwin wasn't getting targets. So it could be that game where Godwin gets, you know, 12 to 15 targets. Squeaky wheel, mm-hmm. potentially. But I think, to me, that's, that's the Bucs' strategy to win this thing. You know, they'd like to run the ball. They'd like to do all these various things. But you got to lean on Godwin and Evans in this one and then trust your run defense, make the Falcons one-dimensional. They have the pieces to at least to pull this one off.
1: Worst graded game of the season for Kalijah Cansey. the last time these two teams played. Like, you know, Cansey, this sort of quick – penetrating uh disruptive defensive tackle atlanta with that powerful offensive line and you know creative run game it's it's a bad matchup for him i'm curious to see if a second look at it uh, gives him a better shot or better performance overall uh but i'll be watching college i
0: like it good matchup see that's that's a good quick analysis on the game now we can pick it falcons by one and a half where you going with this one
1: uh okay let's let's
0: buy into atlanta Give me Tampa Bay, because they're going. They're going to. Uh, they're gonna make a little run here in the NFC South, or make it interesting in the NFC South. The uh, div- division right now, the Falcons are six and six in first place. It's Bucks and, and Saints tied at five and seven. So if the Bucs win this game, I don't know who has the tiebreaker between the Bucks and Falcons. They'll have split the season, but they'll both be tied for first at six and seven if the Bucks win this. So I got them covering the one and a half and pulling the mini upset here in Atlanta all right let's go game by game through the rest of it Los Angeles Rams at the Baltimore Ravens Ravens favored by seven at home Rams are sitting at six and six they're currently what seven seed in the NFC eight seed in the NFC right behind the Packers again I'll reference that game for the rest of the year Um, and the Ravens battling for the number one seed they're sitting there at nine and three tied with the Dolphins for the best record in the nfc ravens favored by seven here at home yeah
1: um and the ravens now you know one of those teams in the afc with a real shot at the the number one seed um i think they've been doing an impressive job with that they have dealt i think okay without mark andrews in that offense since he got injured it's been fine like isaiah likely has picked up some of the slack they've uh gotten some play out of some other guys as well but it is, it, it is by necessity a different offense than it was when Andrews is the number one guy. They're very different skill sets, Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely, and you're not going to see the same kind of workload. So they are, I think, spreading it around a bit more. You look at last game against the, the Chargers, Rashad Bateman had five targets, Zay Flowers had seven, Odell Beckham had five, Likely had four. Like they are spreading the ball around a lot more than they –
0: did or needed to when they had Mark Andrews. That's the best thing about this Ravens offense this year, right? Todd Monken coming in, you've got a different running game. You've got the ability to, uh, they lean into playmaking center, Tyler Linderbaum, getting him in space, but it's a more versatile run game. There's a bigger variety of playmakers and you still have Lamar Jackson to lean into, right? So when we saw them a couple of weeks ago against the Chargers, the offense was inconsistent, but when it came down to crunch time, and they needed to run the clock out. It's a couple of Lamar Jackson keepers, Zay Flowers on an end around. They have, um, as I've said before, they've got the power run game. They've got the mobile quarterback. They've got a guy like Zay Flowers who's difficult in space. Um, that was one of that might have been Zay Flowers'
1: best game, the Chargers game. Yeah, I agree. So people are still mad about our take with Zay Flowers. Who's mad? People. People. The people.
0: I mean. He hasn't been that different from again, there's scheme fit. I think he's gone to a place that's leaning into a skill set very well. Yeah. I um, think he But he also like he's not that we we had Tank Dell and Josh Downs ahead of him or in that range or yeah. whatever, and that was like they've been similarly then. productive, but in different ways, right? They're all small receivers with different skill sets. I think we've seen all of that so far in the NFL.
1: A lot of people were big mad about my comp of Dante Hall adjusted for inflation. I still think that's pretty good. I know, I, you might be, it depends on the power of your adjustment for inflation. Like teams did not have any idea what to do with the Dante Hall, back when Dante Hall was playing, which is one of the reasons why Peter Warwick didn't have an amazing NFL career, because teams just don't know what to do with that back then. They do now. Like Peter Warwick in today's NFL probably looks a lot like Zay Flowers, as does Dante Hall. Um, the point being, teams are so much better now at being able to take a guy like that, put him in the slot, give him design screens, you know, give him end around, jet motions, all this kind of stuff that didn't really happen or wasn't as you, it wasn't as dangerous back then because of the formations and the way teams are playing defense and offense. Um, so his numbers are going to look completely night and day from Dante Hall because Hall had like a few years where he was used as a receiver, and they were like, this doesn't work, forget it, we'll just, he's a punt returner. Um, but I think the point being, the adjusted for inflation part, like he is, I think, a, uh, a similar skill set of player that's just being used way better, and probably has a bit more to his game in terms of being able to play in different roles as well. But I honestly don't think that's a bad comp still,
0: even if yeah. the production is gonna be wildly different. Yeah, Zay's on a three-game stretch, He's uh, his best three-game stretch of the season. Um, I think he's developing a little bit. I would also say, I don't think, I think a lot of his big plays have been scramble drill plays, which is fine. Uh, I, part of the issue is I don't think he was a great route runner. I think he's fine in space, but he has a lot of plays to nowhere, right? He gets fed a lot of plays that don't go anywhere. I mean, look, he's been, he's been fine. But I think the development the last few weeks too is, is encouraging for the Ravens as they'll need to lean on him more yeah. with Mark Andrews out. On the other side, you know, how do the Rams pull this upset potentially? Oh, really quick, the Ravens defense you know how the the Browns defense had been number 1 in EPA per play pretty much since week 1 mm-hmm. and in their own world in a chart you know if you're charting that yeah. uh, it's creeping closer now the Ravens are right behind them it's point -0.18 for the Browns -0.16 for the Ravens Ravens so number 2 in EPA per play against defensively um so Baltimore is closing in on being the best defense in the league against a Rams offense that I think has done a really nice job with their run game. Kyron Williams has been fantastic, but they've been scheming it up, creating numbers advantages for him. They're going to need, I think, the run game to shorten it, but also Stafford playing special ball, four or five big time throws like he did last week.
1: The the stat that jumps out for the Ravens defense is still that yards per pass attempt allowed. Like they are like four point four yards per pass attempt. The next closest team is the Browns, and they're at five point two. So the Ravens are nearly a full yard better than any defense in the NFL this year in the past game, which is absurd.
0: Yeah. And for Baltimore, I think it's just been <coughs> a few years of, you know, making good decisions, getting a, guys like Kyle Hamilton and le- leaning into their versatility. Um, so I, I think it's a fun matchup. Remember last year when uh, Sean McVay was using like Ben Skoranek as a fullback. Yeah. And it's like, here's some creative stuff the Rams are doing, but it doesn't matter because everything else is bad this year. Everything else, you know, Stafford's healthy lines playing better. The creative stuff they're doing is giving them an advantage. I think it's impressive that the Rams are sitting here at 6-6, six and six, given their roster. I think this will be a challenge, though, going up against Baltimore.
1: Just in the last couple of weeks, though, Stafford's numbers have finally started to tick in the direction that his play has been all season long. Yeah. Remember earlier in the year, it was like, how the hell does Stafford only have, like, eight touchdowns when he's been throwing dimes left, right, and center? Well, the last—like, he got on a run of— one, two, three, four straight games with only one touchdown, three of which were offset by one interception, right? And then last week, three touchdowns, no interceptions against the Browns defense. The week before that, Arizona, four touchdowns, one interception. So just in the last two weeks, he's accounted for almost half of his passing touchdowns on the season and not offset that by a bunch of turnovers. So if that continues
0: for Stafford, that's more like it. 83.6 grade. Uh, 83.7 grade for Stafford, number 11 in the NFL. He's having one of his best seasons, but yeah, the stats are, like as you said, starting to catch up. And it, this is the lowest – it's got to be the lowest turnover-worthy play rate he's ever had. Yeah. 1.8%. Easily. Um, so Stafford's playing really well. We'll see if he can elevate that offense with Nakua and uh, those young receivers. Seven points, though. Where are you going with this one? Um,
1: hmm. It is a lot
0: of points, but I'm going to go with the Ravens still. Give me the Ravens at home. They they um, They play. They waxed Detroit and Seattle at home, if yep. that means anything. NFC teams going into Baltimore this year, losing by a million. So we'll say that's going to happen again. I'll take the Ravens to cover the seven. All right, Jacksonville Jaguars at the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland favored by three. Of course, the big story here, Trevor Lawrence getting rolled up on the other night. It's a sprained ankle. Um, it doesn't look like he's going to play I this week. so. They haven't ruled I, it out,
1: but I would be pretty shocked if he did.
0: I mean, the next day they had the um, hashtag agent tweet or whatever where it's like Trevor Lawrence is going to do 24-7 rehab and do whatever he can. And then the next day it's like, ah, we don't think he can go this week, but he's mm. going to do whatever he can to be back for the Ravens game in two weeks. Yeah. So it's probably C.J. Beathard against Joe Flacco in Cleveland.
1: It's not that it's not a big game. Like, this is a pretty important game for AFC playoff seeding, all those kinds of things, but it's like – is it really worth risking it, you know? Like what's the like wait another week? Like just give him a shot. Like that that was a pretty bad sprain. It's it's obviously like it ended up being sort of quote unquote just an ankle sprain, but the fact that like he couldn't put any weight on that immediately after it happened, you know, tried to stand up, couldn't. Had to just get up
0: and then had to hobble his way to the x-ray room and stuff. Like that feels like you need more than a week. High is a high ankle. I mean the the high ankle sprains are historically three four week injuries you know maybe two to four weeks depending on I think that's what Mahomes had last year in the playoffs and they're always different degrees and right Mahomes you know got whatever happened in the locker room at halftime and came back in the same game against the Jags but he was still hobbled the following week against Cincinnati it is a multi-week injury that will affect things especially a guy like lawrence who's yes.
1: so mobile that's the thing lawrence is a quarterback that has been you know the, his mobility his his capacity to run around to move is a pretty big part of his game if he can't do that you know do you really want him against the browns pass rush maybe miles garrett isn't quite the same force as he was while he's dealing with his shoulder injury but still that's a pretty risky defense to be exposing him to if he's not 100 percent, just because he's your best option I there's a it's a massive you know drop off obviously if you're going Trevor Lawrence to CJ Beathard but it might be worth just sacrificing a game rather than risking your quarterback again like the Eagles they need him in January not necessarily right now yeah
0: the problem is I mean I'm, he's not going to play in this game I don't think but um the problem is January I'm not saying it's all slipping away but this is a tough game against the Browns yeah they have the Ravens coming up on Sunday night football that's what I mean in it's, a couple weeks so
1: it's not a game that you can just sacrifice and say, oh, "To hell with it, we don't need this one." Like they could really do with this one, but it's not. I don't think it's worth risking Lawrence to try and save it.
0: Um, they also had Christian Kirk go down with an injury. He is out already. He's going to miss some time. Um, per Doug Peterson, the rest of the injury report is uh, a lot of skill position players: Travis Etienne, Zay Jones, even C.J. Bethard, sitting there with a shoulder injury, questionable. So um, Jacksonville's really banged up. Um, And then as far as Cleveland goes, I mentioned that the defense has come back down to earth over the last month or so, whatever that time period is. Remember, there was a point where we said, hey, if QB can just go in and manage the game and not turn it over, not have the two. They had the two lowest graded quarterbacks in the NFL at one point in DTR and PJ Walker. Joe Flacco played better than that the other day. But the defense has not been as good, perhaps coinciding with Miles Garrett playing injured as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely co- coinciding with that. Meanwhile, Joe Flacco goes out there and has that efficient game that you're talking about with the addition of the one patented Joe Flacco lunatic bad. play.
0: At a bad at a bad time, yeah, obviously when they were backed up it led to the Rams to, you know going up a score. Um, but yeah, if Flacco could play, I mean, if they if Flacco gives them that game every week and especially this week against Bethard, that should work. But this who knows? Week, yes. You never know. Like, you know, we just saw Jake Browning Looked yeah. like Drew Brees the other night. so.
1: <laughs> but it is like, it's this classic, Joe Flacco is now this, he's a perfect game-managing quarterback with the exception of there will almost certainly be one, if not more, terrible play in there. So it's like, can you still be a game manager with one awful boneheaded probable turnover in there? That's what you're asking for the Browns. And it's like, with the previous defense, probably. With the current version, eh,
0: maybe. Jags defense got absolutely carved up on Monday Night Football yeah. against Jake Browning. Give them credit. I mean, give Browning credit. But the Jags defense had been one of the best in the league. One of the best coverage grades. I mean, they had they've had issues basically back to back weeks. And nothing one, complicated
1: either. Like players like Tyson Campbell just got
0: wrecked individually, one on one. If you look at the Jags team coverage grades for the season, uh, it's it's pretty hilarious actually. Um, their three worst coverage grades all came against Kyle Shanahan and friends. So the Niners and the two Texans games. So Shanahan and Slowick carving up the Jags defense. Slowick. And then the Bills and the Bengals. Um, but yeah, they, they, they have had games, this Jags defense, where you know they held Kansas City to 17. And they, they did a really nice job contesting every throw. And then there's games like the other night where it wasn't so good. Um, Browns, we saw a little connection between Joe Flacco and Elijah Moore. So, I think it'll be a good game here, man. Uh, Browns by three. Could be a weather game here, too. Cleveland, December. We got... I need a weather report. You need a weather report. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be low score. The
1: weather report is 45 and light rain.
0: Light rain? Yep. Light rain. That's enough. That's all you need in Cleveland.
1: I mean, I if if C.J. Bethard is the starting quarterback, I think the Browns by more than three is an absolute... Not a guarantee, because, you know, it's Joe Flacco, but...
0: Pretty likely, so Browns. I see a 77% chance of rain. It's only light though, light rain. Some light rain is likely. That's mm. also what I'm saying. Wind 10 to 20 miles an hour. Yeah, give me the Browns. I'm not buying into uh, Bethard as a backup. It's going to put a little challenge on um, on Jacksonville. They're a game up on Houston, right in the uh, AFC South. But a couple, you know, this tough game this week and then coming up like I said
1: yeah losing losing this game would be very bad for Jacksonville I mean losing last one was obviously like they were in the number one seed contention then they drop out now they're one game away from really dropping down the rankings or the dropping right into the pack
0: in the AFC all right gotta tell you about our friends over at AG1 the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health we drink it every day here on the PFF NFL podcast Love it because it's got all those daily nutrients that we need to kick my morning off with a little AG1, pour it in with some water, chug that thing down, and I'm feeling great for the rest of the day. So it gets you all those nutrients that you need, AG1, because um, I don't have the best diet, so I need I need those nutrients, 75 of them to be exact, 75 high-quality ingredients that give me everything I need to support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. As a former athlete i know how to take care of my body i'm not doing it as well right now (laughs) i know how to though and this is this is like the one thing i do well which is my ag1 making sure i have everything i need for the day it's these micro habits that deliver these micro habits that deliver macro benefits and that's why we do it daily cover all those nutritional bases every single day also cost less than three dollars a day which is a pretty good deal if you ask me it's a really effective daily habit with high quality sourced ingredients. It's a win win for all of us here on the PFF NFL podcast. So, for comprehensive solutions, what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to drinkag1.com slash PFF. That's drinkag1.com slash PFF. Go check it out right now.
1: Like that. I'm acutely aware of everything I'm doing wrong
0: right now. As a former athlete. But this is the one thing. This is the one thing I'm doing well. All right, let's go Indianapolis Colts at the Cincinnati Bengals. Right down the street here. Uh, Colts are favored by one Hmm. as they come into town, into Cincinnati. we got Jake Browning coming off of. As I was watching that game, Sam, first up, kudos to Jake Browning. That was outstanding. Unbelievable game. Very impressed. I think I was even more impressed by his post-game comments. Oh, yeah? Where it's I didn't watch those. What did he n- say? Like paraphrasing, but he was, it, you know, it was like I'm not like I've been preparing for this. You know, basically like I'm not surprised. Dude, the Nate Diaz. I'm yeah, not surprised like, by the box. This is <laughs> of course, this is what I do. <laughs> but I thought this was the best, random awesome performance I've seen since Taylor Heineke playoff game against the Bucks. Right, going toe to toe with Tom Brady. So and so that's where it's like, let me you know be the wet blanket of reason here. On one hand, it could be. The Bengals have found something in Jake Browning. And you also still have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, and you've got, you know, playmakers to throw to, and Browning did a good job getting them the ball, and the Bengals are going to be dangerous going forward. On the other hand, Taylor Heineke's had games like this, and it didn't necessarily spark his career or anything. It just happened to be one random thing. So kudos to Jake Browning. 80% plus completions, leads an overtime comeback, handled adversity. It was unbelievable. Now I'm fascinated to see if this was a trick. He didn't look anything like this 2 weeks ago. Right. Against the Steelers or in training camp. Or in training camp, did the Steelers did the Bengals find something in Browning's skill set as a guy who doesn't have a great arm but was throwing precision down the field in this game?
1: Uh we talked about this a little bit on the show that you're not on uh, coming out of that game. Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh what I my analysis of that performance was it felt like the game that every coach is chasing when they have the non-starter, the backup, as I believe they're called, uh, when they're starting a game because the start has gone down, right? It's like you start off and you try and get him those easy completions and the run game going and you try and get you try and get him into the game right so that he finds his comfort level and he gets, you know, happy with how things are going and then he starts playing his game. This felt like most of the time it doesn't work because the guy is ultimately a backup and the actual the way that you do that the easy stuff almost undermines the entire concept right because it makes the defense's life easier because you don't have to worry about the deep bomb because you're not doing that because you're too scared and yada yada. This felt like it worked. They actually ran the easy stuff and Browning sort of felt his way into the game and then by the second quarter the dude was like in the zone. And it's like, they did. It worked. They got him comfortable. He's now in a flow state where he can't do anything wrong. And they've actually successfully tapped into this like innate quarterback confidence that's there somewhere for all of these guys. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the NFL. But they like found it with the first quarter of play calling. And then once they hit it, Browning just couldn't miss for the rest of the game.
0: That's where, over the last couple of years, when I've tried to compliment Zach Taylor, not necessarily because of in-game management or anything that they do schematically that is special. Like you, you don't put them on Shanahan's level or anything. There's something to the Bengals stepping up at times when you don't expect, or, you know, again, as I have mentioned a million times on the show, every time they had a bad performance over the last couple of years, they've bounced back and been great the next week. Now Joe Burrow has been the X factor there. But to me, this is just another notch in the cap, I guess, notch in the belt, whatever we're putting notches in for Zach Taylor. And and everything that they've done to be able to kind of work around Jake Browning, and as you said, kind of like build him up, and all of a sudden it it looks like early career Washington Jake Browning, which was really promising. And that it, it also every time now a quarterback has a game like this, and because of Brock Purdy, Browning's a four-year starter who probably was as good as a freshman as he was as a senior at Washington, much like Brock Purdy was. And it's and it just makes you think, you know, is this? Is this something here? So I'm fascinated to see what the what the encore is. It's his third start. First one didn't go great. Second one seemed to play to what he likes to do a little bit more, and uh, we'll see if the Bengals can build off that. Meanwhile, the Colts are sitting there with a better record, seven and five, with four other with three other teams in the AFC currently the seven seed, and Shane Steichen maybe going under the radar here with the job that he's done in Indy because it's two backup quarterbacks here, and we're complimenting the Bengals for having one good game with their backup. Well, the Colts have been playing with Minshew the whole year, who I think is a very good backup, but they've been overcoming some of his decisions this year to be seven and five and battling for a playoff spot here.
1: Yeah, I mean, he also stopped, you know, making quite as many catastrophic decisions. Uh, he's gone from having, you know, the worst the worst turnover-worthy play rate in history to having one that's just mildly bad. Uh,
0: Like that needed to revert back anyway, right? right. I mean, he
1: was having the sort of, he was having the individual quarterback version of the early season Denver Broncos defense. We were like, this can't possibly maintain the way it is. It's insane. That's like eased off to just regular bad. Um, Yeah, the the funny thing about the Browning thing though is I don't think that's in any way repeatable, this idea of somehow they just tapped into the thing that every coach aims for when the backup goes in the game. Like, let's try and get him comfortable And then when he's comfortable, you can get his best version, right? They did it somehow, but I don't think it was by – I mean, it was obviously by design. That's what they were shooting for. But it's the same thing that every team is shooting for every week, right? It's not like – it's like you're a thing of getting pressure with your front four, right? You try and do that every single week, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. There's nothing they did special to manufacture that. It just –
0: they nailed it. But maybe the confidence is there now, and he's shown that he can do it, and he can, you know – I spread think, the ball around and make plays. I
1: feel like that's an every game thing. It's like those it's like the thing that, you know, some people need to take a hit before they're in the game and they need it early otherwise they're never going to be in that zone. I don't know what that is mentally as human beings, but there's something that sort of triggers your, you know, natural responses for how you're supposed to be in a game. And some guys need to take a hit. Browning apparently needed to have a really nice first quarter and then he's like I'm there now. I'm I'm
0: in. Now the bigger side of the ball might be Colts offense and this Bengals defense that has quietly struggled this year. Maybe not all that quietly if you've watched them, but uh, worst coverage grade in the NFL right now, fifth worst EPA per play for Cincinnati. Disappointing year. And again, we spend so much time talking about Cincy's offense. Maybe we underrated the fact that they lost both of their starting safeties. The back sevens had some injuries and some inconsistency there. I think the Colts, the way Minshew's been playing, they can run the ball. They've got, um, you never know if you have the Alec Pierce game where he's gonna flip the field on a couple like the Colts have. I feel like
1: again, that's unlikely.
0: It might be, but Michael Pittman's been extremely dependable. I think the um, I think the Colts will have some success offensively against the Bengals here.
1: Yeah, um, the Bengals have had some good performances individually. I, I think getting Trey Hendrickson back looking like Trey Hendrickson again was a big development for them. He'd had a couple of rough weeks after that knee injury where he was playing, but clearly not himself. DJ Reader had a great game, Mike Hilton had a great game. Um, one of their biggest problems, really, has been model guy, DJ Turner, as a rookie corner, hasn't been playing particularly well. Thanks.
0: Yeah, there's been some some good and bad plays in there. <laughs> Made some good plays against the run the other night.
1: He did. He's had some good plays, it's just there's been quite a lot of bad plays as well. Yeah. That's, that's been problematic.
0: It's funny, the da- he was one of those guys where the data said yes, but my heart was saying, eh. You yeah. Know, I didn't love the film, yeah. but the data said he's good. All right, let's make a pick on this one Colts, favored by one in Cincinnati, seven and five Colts against the six and six Bengals. Yeah, Colts. Wow. I'm not, I mean, look, that Jake Browning at the game of his life. One I mean, more week. We'll I don't give him. We'll I'm also going to take the Colts because um, for the fans. For the fans? For the guy that comes in, you pick against the Colts and keep us against the world. Colts. No, I like the, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed with what they've been doing. So I think they come in here as one point favorites and they can, they can win it. I need one more week to see the Browning experience here and see if they can replicate that. Is that fair? Sure. All right. Houston Texans at the New York Jets. Texans favored by three and a half. CJ Stroud going up against this Jets defense. And then Zach Wilson is back. Mm. Another dramatic week.
1: It a lot of for drama. The number
0: thirteen seed in the AFC out of fourteen. Uh, a lot of
1: drama. A lot of reports. Wait, Fifteen seed. A lot of sources. A lot of
0: upset. Aaron Rodgers. A lot of drama. If you missed it early in the week, there were multiple reports that the Jets wanted to go back to Zach Wilson, and that he didn't know if he was going to accept the offer. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And uh, Tim Boyle, who started the last two games, got released on Tuesday. Mm. Got replaced by Brett Rippin. Now the irony there. Those are the only two... Tim Boyle and Brett Ripon are the only two quarterbacks in the NFL this year to start a game on Sunday and then get released on Tuesday. That's how bad they were. I mean, I don't even know if Tim Boyle was that bad, but they did not like the Tim Boyle experience. No. The Jets.
1: The Tim Boyle experience felt a little bit like uh, the Chris Streveler experience last year, where it's like, that, you can't... No, we can't have that. Like, that's just... That's not going to work. I'm sorry.
0: Streveler came in and under threw a pass that was open by 50 yards yeah under threw by it. by like 15 yards it got caught <laughs> and fireman ed and the crowd lost it yeah crazy excitement for strevler because he completed a wide open pass one yeah reminded me of bailey zappy completing a wide open pass in gillette
1: but like there are some times where you watch a guy play and you're like that won't work. that can't work right so. we just no we can't have this i'm sorry I appreciate your effort, but you know, it's like the classic thing they say, you know, we appreciate everything you've done. We wish you the best for the future. That's that's our takeaway from this game. Thanks. I appreciate all the hard work you put in, but we're going to go in a different direction. Um, so, yeah, that's what they did with Tim Boyle. Uh, the Zach Wilson thing was kind of funny. It's like, it's not like he has a choice. I mean, this is your job. You go in the game if we tell you to go in the game. This is not an optional thing. We pay you a large amount of money to get your ass in the field and play football.
0: The poor guy just wants to hold a clipboard and collect a paycheck, that's the dream.
1: And not, yeah, harm his draft stock, or not his draft stock, his you know, future employment any further than he already has by playing football.
0: So here's the deal. There's a lot of interesting storylines beyond Zach Wilson. So Wilson comes back in, you have CJ Stroud, who's been unbelievable as a rookie, as we all know, going up against the Jets defense that has made every quarterback look bad. That's the interesting element of this game. Like
1: the Zach Wilson,
0: Aaron Rodgers crap aside. And we could talk about that in one sec, but we also have Sauce Gardner versus Derek Stingley, same field, right? The third and fourth pick from last year's draft. The, the, The Texans took Derek Stingley, who's hot right now, coming off a 90 plus grade, four interceptions in the last three games. Sauce Gardner went pick number four. He's been better to this point, but they're, they, Stingley looks like he's trending in the right direction to be a fantastic corner. So it's CJ Stroud's biggest test. You got Sauce and Stingley. What else? Uh, what are your thoughts on that side of the ball there, Texans against this Jets D? I
1: was just looking up, actually, the uh, the grades for those second year corners. Obviously, Duron Bland is number one with his five pick sixes, et cetera. But Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley, and Trent McDuffie, the three. Sort of
0: top end corners in that class are all grading really well, having excellent second seasons. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to trash the model for DJ Turner, we have Sauce was as good as it gets in the model, Stingley, <laughs> and McDuffie are all 90th percentile plus. <laughs> and then I'm going to go finagle to make sure that DeRon Bland looked good. No, ah, just okay, yeah. No, he did. Bland they were had, also Bland all, had good, Just regular PFF grading yeah. his senior year.
1: That's the thing. They were all also, you know, consensus first round picks and top (laughs) prospects whatever fairly
0: open goal for the model there yeah but there's also plenty of corners that were drafted high that were not model approved okay they didn't work Um, out very well
1: yeah look stroud going up against that jets defense is going to be fascinating um the jets defense is amazing i I know they get you know there's there have been some games where they've given up some big plays or some points I still think a lot of that is just the game gets away from them because they're on the field all the time and the offense stinks and they're frustrated and you know, but that defense is so good when it's playing at its best. So seeing them against Stroud is going to be fascinating. Stroud is really looks like Georgia CJ Stroud the entire time now, basically. Like even when he does something wrong where he makes a mistake, he comes back and it's like it didn't affect him. He just keeps swinging and generally offsets it. Generally redeems himself with the next drive or whatever couldn't be more impressed with what we're seeing from stroud that offense as a whole really excited to see what it looks like against the jets
0: i told you i'm just i'm watching stroud uh, straddle the line Just got to be careful that the most impressive things that he was doing early in the season was sitting in the pocket going through reads throwing the ball accurately just going boom 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 doing you know veteran type of stuff early as a rookie now i think his confidence is through the roof he he's moving around more than ever and doing all the but like last week he had some big plays. He left a lot of plays on the table last week. I want to just see him continue to hit the plays that are there and then make sure that the out of structure stuff is at the right time, that it's timely. And that's when Stroud, you know, is special. That's when he becomes a star. You know, I just I want to see that consistency and it's, it's a challenge against the Jets here because they just it's tight window throws, man. It's a, it's a tough pass rush. And then on the other side, you know, Will Anderson's having a good run too here, the rookie edge, edge rusher going up against this Jets offensive line. I think this Texans defense is, you know, going to give the Jets problems like every other team seems to. So mm-hmm. where are you going with this one? Three and a half, the Texans are favored.
1: I, I'm i going to buy into the Jets. Um, I think this game will either be a close Jets victory or it will be a blowout for the Texans where the Jets defense kind of gets frustrated and ill-disciplined and gives up some plays. Like, it's either going to be very close in their favor or they just get wrecked because I think that defense is, every week that defense is going to be on a precipice of frustration, where if the offense craps itself, like the defense is going to lose its rag and, you know, give
0: up. One more matchup to watch here. Bobby Slug, PFF Bobby, Mm -hmm. and Robert Sala. Former – Former teammates. Teammates, I guess. Yes. Yeah. You know, they 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 came through the ranks together. Colleagues, that's the colleagues, co-workers, even. Yeah. They came through the ranks together. And if we're gonna go through the Shanahan tree, and now look, I know Mike McDaniel also faced Salah a few weeks ago and everything, but Shanahan has this knack for beating up his old colleagues and co-workers, right? And knowing the ins and outs of those defense, can Bobby break the Jets defense with a couple passes down the field? Can they can they sneak a couple explosives in there? against this Jets defense just something to keep an eye on I'll well, take or, the Texans to cover the three and a half
1: or the flip side right like does Robert Sala is he like the one coach that actually has an
0: idea how to slow down this system no because it's not it's no. not PFF Sala okay it's, PFF, it's, not Bobby. PFF, Sala. it's not PFF Robert it's not PFF Bobby's gonna have the edge so give me the Texans to cover the three and a half but yeah that's gonna be a sneaky fun game and I'm always intrigued by Zach Wilson all I'm gonna say the same way, you know, a switch flipped for Jordan Love the last few weeks. Does that ever exist for a guy like a Zach Wilson, for a Mitchell Trubisky, guys that are very talented and were, you know, top five picks? Do they, do they, you know, flip a switch at any point? Just never know.
1: I was just uh, looking up what Salah's record is against Shanahan offenses. How'd you do? Well, last year was pretty good. He held Miami to 17, and then and then uh, 11. In he two didn't games. face two at either game last year, they right? Face their the backups. Uh, that's the one element there. This year, it's not good because they gave up a ton of points, 34 to Miami, a couple of weeks one ago. One was a hail
0: mary pick six, though.
1: Yeah, but still, like they, it's not like they dominated that that offense. That was the right the game where their defense basically gave up. See what I'm saying? Got See beat. That's why I'm. Taking. But they had, my point, you know, my overall point was that he hasn't actually played him that many times. Right.
0: All right, we're going to go quick here. Yeah. Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. Saints favored by five and a half. Who are you picking? <laughs> uh, That's our game preview. Yeah. Derek Carr is still in concussion protocol. Taysom Hill's all banged up. We could see Jameis Winston against Bryce Young. You would hope so. I mean, what is the point
1: in Derek Carr at this point in the season? Like, the dude's getting a battering, and it's not like there's a discernible what do you mean, difference. What's the point? It's like the massive difference between Derek Carr and
0: Jameis Winston. Just let Jameis cook. No. Back off and let Jameis cook. Jameis has not been cooking. He's been cooking for the defense here the last few weeks, which means he's times. due. Uh, the Jameis is due argument. Jameis Year is seven. due a breakout game,
1: not season game.
0: Derek Carr fine as long as they have Jimmy Graham in the red zone. Jimmy they've got their red zone answer and Jimmy. Uh huh. Alvin Kamara running hard last week. Oh, stupid Saints. Trying to figure out the Saints. Not fun, but they're favored by five and a half against the Panthers. They were one of the first teams to make Bryce Young look really bad this year, back in week two. Yeah. And it's continued. I mean, look,
1: the the Carolina receivers don't get a ton of separation at the best of times. The New Orleans uh, defensive backs play physically and aggressive and like to beat up on receivers it's and disrupt the matchup. timing anyway. It isn't, it's not a good matchup, generally. They have enough pass rush to cause problems for a bad Panthers offensive line. The play calling hasn't been fixed with the change in coaching. Like this idea of anything getting fixed mid season for that team is probably pretty slim.
0: I struggle to see how the Panthers are going to have much success. That's great analysis. I don't think I want to add much to. It. I mean, that's it. I mean, the Panthers have one or two drives a, a game where they they look pretty good. They created a couple of explosives against the Bucks and one drive they ran the ball pretty well last week. But again, I think you know the Bucks had we're down to fourth and fifth string linebackers. I think the Saints defense is going to give the Panthers some problems. So covering the six in the dome, you're going to take the Saints? Yes. I'll take the Saints as well. Let's cover the five and a half. Let's go Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. The Lions are favored by three on the road here. Remember just a couple weeks ago, Bears had the lead into the fourth quarter, two score lead into the fourth quarter. Lions came back to pull off the win. It was the first of Jared Goff's uh, bad stretch of two or three games where he kept turning the ball over. didn't see the field very well against the bears. I called it a, just a straight up vision problem. He was just not making good decisions for whatever reason in this game against the bears had three interceptions, three turnover worthy plays in that game. um weren't, weren't all the same plays, but either way um, the bears did a nice job, but the lions found a way to win in the end in Chicago here. Lions favored by three.
1: Yes. Um, the lions we we talked uh, on the show the other day about their struggling defense um and the emailer said that look, one of the biggest things that causes them problems is a running quarterback like anybody that can get yards on the ground and chicago is absolutely a running quarterback i mean I'm, justin fields
0: i'm not going to disagree with that but it feels like that's um a lot of defenses
1: yeah i'm sure it is but I think it's fair to say that right now the Lions defense is underachieving or is regressed or is the injuries have, have mounted to the point where they are getting overwhelmed and Justin Fields I think is a particular nightmare for them generally because of what he can do on the ground now the one thing that uh, is relevant to this dynamic is Fields has looked better since coming back from his thumb injury. Part of that is he just hasn't been punished for the bad plays he's got. Like he's has two turnover-worthy plays in each of the last two games since coming back, and has I think one interception in that time. Um, now he's got fumbles as well. But it kind of feels like they've they've avoided getting you know punished for those bad plays. If the Lions can actually create the turnovers, that can change the whole thing.
0: Last time we saw Chicago, that was the Monday night game at Minnesota, where. It was death by a million wide receiver screens <laughs> on that side of the ball. It was really weird, man, because, again, field, the fact that Fields started the season looking like he'd never played quarterback again, like the like his first couple starts, he had, ne- like he had never played quarterback. Like there's three open receivers, and you've decided to run backwards. Why is that happening? Well, there was
1: that, and then there was – why why did you spend last season's half a year it took you to, to understand why don't we use this guy as a yeah. design part of the run game? And then at the start of the season it was like we just rebooted. We forgot all of that information and we started over again. And it's the same thing. It took half the year for them to go, Hey, why don't we just call some design run plays for, for Justin Fields? Like, dude, this is genius.
0: Why does that keep happening? Then they seemingly figured it out and he looked like he did last year, where it was like, Okay, he's a dynamic runner. He's a good downfield passer beyond twenty yards. Let's, you know, if we can iron out some of the other some accuracy issues, some footwork, some, you know, too many taking too many sacks, if we can iron out some of these things, we have something here. So we're like back at that point with Fields, where I think there's a lot of promising play. You you know his running ability is a game changer, whether it's in the design game or as a scrambler, but we're looking for him to, you know, tidy up and polish some of the other parts of his game. So when that is the case, I mean, in any given week, fields could be special. You know, like that's a – but then you have a game like the other night where they just kept throwing screens. Like they were so afraid of Minnesota's pass rush and blitz schemes and trickeration that they just said, we, we just got to screen it the whole time. So I just don't know what we're going to get here. But they played well against the Lions until they just kind of – you know, they couldn't put a drive together in the second half. They, they put one big drive together in the second half but settled for a field goal. Um, so they have the pieces to pull this upset.
1: I think they'll be a lot more confident with their own offense than they were against Minnesota. Like, I think the Vikings defense is so confusing to a lot of teams that they don't quite know what to do or what to call. Whereas against the Lions, I think they'll have a lot more confidence to just play their game, air it out, target DJ Moore deeper down the field, let Justin Fields run. This feels like a game that if Jared Goff and the Lions offense can have a good game again, could
0: be an absolute shootout. We know the Lions and Goff haven't been as good on the road. The chat is asking if it's a weather game.
1: Not according to my information. 36
0: and scattered clouds. Whatever API we use for the weather in Greenline Mm -hmm. uses scattered clouds a lot. A lot. Every game is scattered.
1: Well, how often do you see clouds that are, you know, congealed? It's all scattered.
0: It's all scattered. So is that, a, is that just rolling partly cloudy and mostly sunny into one and saying that's just that's all <laughs> of that scattered clouds?
1: clouds. Uh, no, I think it's, well, I guess the question would be what is the difference between scattered clouds and partly sunny?
0: Um, there's some sort of, if I don't know if we have any meteorologists that listen. I asked for billionaires the other day. Right. Somebody stepped up in the YouTube chat, said billionaire here. Really? His comment was, I'm a billionaire. Sam knows my mentality extremely well. Huh. I assuming that, I'm assuming that's tongue in cheek. Mm. But he got a like a lot of thumbs up. So I asked for billionaires the other day. If you're a billionaire, let us know. We mm. want to know if there's billionaires listening to our show. Also, uh, give us some money. Yeah, we'll we'll set up a special email address for you. Oh, we're asking. And we'll send our uh, Venmos. But um, we're just curious if you're a billionaire. But if you're a meteorologist as well, please step up. Help us out. Partly cloudy, mostly sunny. But I think it's a percentage thing. I think there's a,
1: there's a tipping point.
0: There's a percentage of clouds that <laughs> equal mostly sunny. And there's a percentage <laughs> that equals partly cloudy. Okay. Yeah. So
1: I mean I could buy that. I Ab- went to school with a couple. Of, absent of knowledge, to the contrary, that feels reasonable.
0: I have a couple of meteorologist friends from college that um, we'll, we'll ping on Twitter or something. I'll get try to get some answers here. Great. Anyway, um, Lions on the road here. What is it? Three and a half is what I'm seeing right now. Uh, Do you have it at three. Three is in the document. I see it is three it? and a half on Green Line, I believe. Okay, well that must have moved since I uh, put it in. Um, Feel free to change it. Yeah, man, Lions, and look, I still think... It has moved, and it
1: moved like a minute ago.
0: I, I, I worry about the Lions' defense as far as their ability to going forward. Alim uh, McNeil just got put on IR, at defensive tackle. Um, they're, they're bringing in Bruce Irvin, you know, in year 11. So they're trying to figure out some help for Aiden Hutchinson up front. Secondary's been banged up. They're, they're, they're holding on as best they can, but I think the Lions' offense will get this thing done. So where are you going with this one? So we're going to go three and a half here? Yep. Who are you taking?
1: Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. I will buy the Bears at home, having enough success to keep it
0: within three and a half. All right. Give me the Lions, even on the road. Nobody answered our question in the chat. We have no meteorologists in the chat helping us. Billionaires, out. Billionaires, but no meteorologists. Yeah, um, we're seeing a. I'm seeing clear on Sunday. 14% chance of rain. 37 degrees. That's what it saying. Um, scattered clouds. Yeah, it's clear. Scattered clouds. Scattered clouds is largely clear. La- you should you should say largely clear, right? <laughs> largely clear because it's scattered clouds. Okay, let's get to the four o'clock games. By the way, there's two Monday night football games. This week, NFL is just like jacking the schedule in the next few weeks.
1: Multiple Monday nights, a whole day of Saturday games. The week after Ugh, the Saturday ones,
0: that's a tough discussion with the family. <laughs> it's just a tough one. Hey, Listen, you know, honey, you know the, the Saturday's our day as a family. However,
1: yeah, it's like, hey, you know the way I normally spend all Sunday watching football. Yeah. Well, next week it's both days. Yeah. <laughs> they've they've got a triple header, honey. Mm. Don't worry. Think of. We've got the morning at least. Think of Sunday and now project that to Saturday, but also Sunday staying the same.
0: But don't worry, it's easier. They're all island games. So Mm. I can put all my attention into that one game. Changes everything. All right, the 4 o'clock games, 4 5 Minnesota Vikings at the Las Vegas Raiders. The Vikings favored by three. They have announced Josh Dobbs will be the starting quarterback here. So they were were mulling this over if they were going to go back to Jaron Hall, give him a shot. If they were going to overreact to Josh Jobs being really bad on yeah. Monday Night Football and they decided against it, they're going to go back to Dobbs here. For this it game.
1: did feel like this would have been a pretty wild overreaction. I mean, OK, Dobbs has probably been talked up above and beyond what he's actually played like this season because of the story. And, you know, how, but he has been his style makes them it, it makes them difficult to to contend with. Right. Because a quarterback that can scramble and make a ton of plays, it's like Justin Fields last year. Right. Even if fundamentally he's not actually that good it's dangerous as hell because in any play he can score right and that a is terrifying for defenses and b means that you can stink for quite a large period of time and still be productive so Dobbs this year I think was keeping them in a lot of games and by them I mean Minnesota and Arizona and it was probably more dangerous than it was good but then against Chicago it's like the whole thing just collapsed and he was making mistakes left, right, center, and the turnovers were ever present as they appear to be for the Vikings all year. And there was a point during the game, I forget which ridiculous turnover it happened after, where they like cut to Kevin O'Connell on the sideline and he looked just like bemused by like, what the hell is happening? This is insane. And okay, sure, that was that game. But I don't know that you, you know, you, Throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, I can't have that again. I got it. Like, that's probably
0: not going to happen again.
1: Let's just give him another shot.
0: The intriguing thing about Jaron Hall, though, is that he was intriguing for the eight or 10 dropbacks that he had. Right. There was but some, it's like some good stuff, but it's tough to rely on it's that. It's
1: eight or 10 dropbacks versus yeah. a guy that's been doing it all season long. Like, do you really say, hey, everything we thought we knew about Hall has gone out the window because of one drive? No. Like, you know,
0: give, job, give Dobbs the shot. The other element too is, I mean, I'm, you know me. I'm a big proponent of wide receiver one, the alpha receiver, and the impact that he has. Right. So Justin Jefferson's supposed to be coming back for this, correct? Uh, for this game, yeah, after the game the bye. Team? So this week, right? So if you were evaluating Josh Dobbs, like if this with any other quarterback, if I said, man, this poor guy lost Justin Jefferson and still produced, right? We would compliment that quarterback and say that's a really good job. And so Dobbs stepped into the situation with no Justin Jefferson. And, you know, Jordan Addison's been fantastic as a rookie. He's done some really nice things. He's also left a few plays on the table. Mm-hmm. But it's like Brandon Powell and it's, and it's Addison. And, you know, they've, TJ Hawkinson has been great. But, I mean, that's impressive you know, that they've done this without Justin Jefferson and, and been as competitive as they've been. And now Jefferson's coming back. So, yeah, I think Dobbs does deserve the, uh, the opportunity here. Yeah. Uh, on the other side the Raiders coming off a bye they lost to Kansas City last time we saw them I think lost in the mix there was Aiden O'Connell had a really good game um, they got up early on the Chiefs they just could not um, eventually the Chiefs offense just you know caught up to the Raiders defense there but O'Connell played a really nice game against the Chiefs defense getting the ball down the field and um, creating some big plays
1: yeah, he's looked good. I mean, he's an entertaining rookie to watch play. Uh, he hasn't had a lot of the really bad plays that, were, that plagued him in college, and the good stuff is still there. He's able to make all the throws. Like, I'm absolutely in this world of, like, hey, young guys or backups that are intriguing to watch. I am all for watching any game with
0: Aiden O'Connell in it. We have a couple uh, pilots stepping up. What? Giving us some answers here How's... on scattered clouds. Well, they know cloud cover very well. <laughs> yeah? I should ask my brother-in-law. He's, you know, he's a pilot as a pilot. well.
1: Okay. So what do the pilots say?
0: Um, and someone else also said scattered clouds equals three-eighths to four-eighths, or one-half, cloud coverage. Okay. So they do cloud coverage the way we do heights and weights and you know, heights in the, in the NFL. With Every, eighths Everything.
1: Yeah. What is, why can't you people just use the metric system like everybody else?
0: Three-eighths. That's, that's what's wrong with that.
1: What's wrong with three-eighths? Yeah. Three, what's wrong with three?
0: <laughs> so three eighths to four eighths cloud coverage uh-huh. correspond to a partly cloudy or partly sunny sky.
1: Well, hang on. Those are interchangeable?
0: With broken clouds, which is five eighths to seven eighths cloud coverage.
1: So scattered clouds is different from broken clouds. Yeah. But scattered cloud is the same as,
0: what was the thing you said? And then someone else with the pi- up, another pilot steps up and says scattered is up to four eighths. Of the sky covered,
1: but scattered cloud is the same as some sunny def- de-
0: delineation. It scattered corresponds to partly cloudy, or partly sunny. Okay. Now what I need to know is that I but need to differentiate different to between clouds. partly cloudy and partly sunny. Right, because and there's got to be some sort of differentiation. But
1: those are also different to broken cloud cover. Broken
0: is more cloud coverage. And then there's an
1: even higher cloudy. Five eighths to like
0: seven eighths. Cloudy as hell. I assume eight eighths is all cloud. That all clouds cloudy. is just. Cloudy, period. Super cloudy or something. No, no, just cloudy. It's just cloudy. Period.
1: I mean, it's cloudy. If it's Max
0: clouds. <laughs> Max clouds. How, yeah. Um, they want to know, how would you use the metric system to measure cloud coverage?
1: Well, what is three you would eighths use in the, the metric same. System?
0: You would just, instead of three eighths, it would be a percentage. So, so you're saying 37.5% is how you... Is I mean, better.
1: I wouldn't draw it at 37.5. That's I would draw what it three eighths
0: is. Right.
1: What I'm saying is it's only three eighths because you're using the eighths system. Instead, you would just use a, the metric system and draw your line at a normal percentage, like a round number.
0: No, But that's what percentages are.
1: What? There's not different percentages in the metric system. Right, but, but it only, it's not three eighths because that's the place that makes most sense for the cloud line to be drawn. It's three eighths because that's the eighths that you're using. Jeez. Whereas instead, you just say it's 40% or whatever. I don't think you're right. All right. You think that that you think that three eighths is actually a really important line for cloud cover, and that's why we're sticking with the eighths. You think that that's the line, right? But if you Just moved like it to forty percent, yeah. If
0: you moved it to forty percent, that would be crazy. Yes. You <laughs> that has nothing to do with the metric system. It's a it's about denominators. You're saying I want a better denominator. I want it out of ten. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. That's what you're saying. Yes. That's not the but metric system. you're saying system. it's
1: really important that that the line is
0: three-eighths because that's where— No, but you're, where... you're arguing about the metric system when you're arguing about denominators. Yeah. That's different. That's a whole different podcast. <laughs> I don't All think, right.
1: I don't think we should do that podcast. Let's make
0: picks on Vikings and Raiders here. Vikings favored by three going into Vegas. Uh, by the way, Max Crosby, still not practicing. Apparently, I mean, that knee injury he had was, like, really bad. Yeah. Um, He had one sack. Last time we saw him, one sack against the Chiefs. It was his only pressure. He was, you know, unable to play at the normal level that he plays and didn't practice this week. Not sure if he's going to be able to go. Um, Where are you going with this one?
1: Minnesota. I don't
0: think Josh Dobbs has that kind of game again, and therefore they're better than that. And Justin Jefferson coming back. Yeah, give me the Vikings to cover the three. Indoors as well. They'll be chucking it around. All right. uh, Seahawks. At the 49ers, Niners favored by 10.5. These teams just played two two weeks ago on Thanksgiving night. It's one of those division games where you see the same game two times in three weeks. Happens a couple times every year. Indeed. Niners favored by 10.5. They are, as the kids call them, a wagon right now. A wagon. <laughs> wagon. They're a wagon. Yeah. Which means they're just rolling over everybody. Well, they stomped Seattle the last time.
1: I mean, this is one of their, I mean, take your pick, but this is one of their statement wins since they went on that three game losing skid. Um, it is like the three game all of those had no debo and no trent williams right the three game losing skid and one of them was the added sort of confounding factor of it was against cincinnati when they had joe burrow cooking and everything was good so basically if they've had all of their players their significant players in the lineup the 49ers are undefeated this year yeah and i mean i don't see any evidence that seattle can stop that
0: yeah um I don't yeah I don't either. I mean they're I the mean, best they're the team one, in the NFL this year when they're healthy. The one thing that Seattle did, I mean last week hanging with Dallas, they need, to me Seattle needs those special games. Like where I was when I was predicting how can Seattle pull off the upset against Dallas where I was completely wrong was saying, "Hey, maybe if they run the ball and you know, create some plays against Dallas's run defense and shorten the game, maybe they have a chance." But instead, they decided, "What if Geno Smith has six big time throws and DK Metcalf goes off?" that's if seattle can do things like that which is tough to bottle up
1: no here's a question for you um i meant i thought about this earlier i was like oh this is more of a wednesday question but actually no it's here uh so one of the things we were talking about heading into that dallas game was actually the way dallas generally gets a lead and then murders teams kind of plays into the seattle's hands because they can actually they're they're maybe at their best when they just drop back and start passing it even though they want to run the ball and blah 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 like just airing it out to DK and Tyler Lockett and JSN might be where they're at their most dangerous and effective. Somebody tweeted, I think, during the week, it's like, how do you beat, what do you need to beat the 49ers? The best answer I saw was a lead, right? Which in one, on one level is like a facetious, funny, you know, of course, if you have a lead all the way to the end, you're going to win the game. But on the other hand, the one area where this offense struggles is playing from behind, right? If it's If the game script is neutral, this offense is basically unstoppable and is destroying teams. Where Shanahan is historically terrible is down significantly. He does not come back ever. This offense isn't really built to do it. So the Dallas Cowboys took the ball, right, against Seattle. And the the numbers say, don't do it. It's a terrible thing to do. You're just... Sacrificing win percentage points by taking the ball instead of deferring to the second half where you can two for one at either side of halftime yada yada is the 49ers actually a team where you want to take the ball against go down score a touchdown put them down seven and if you get one stop you can put them in a double digit hole where their entire offense is
0: different mm, I think yeah. I think there's a lot of conflating yeah. variables there. First off, I don't think it's a massive win probability shift to take the ball versus in the first versus the second half. I think all you want is if you're going to have an extra possession, you want it in the second half, not the first. That's the
1: Well, you get to control getting an extra It's not possession.
0: about but it's like not about the the double hit at the end of the first half or all whatever. Oh, I it mean,
1: definitely is. It's being able to control getting that
0: extra cuz you But you're not controlling anything. No, no you, you are. You're if you're you going to you have get, the oh.
1: ball before halftime, you control the clock. You can determine who has the extra possession, essentially. You can't do that if you've taken the ball at the start. You don't have that same no, level of control. It,
0: because you would have had the extra – you just would have your extra possession in the first half instead of the second half. Like you're not going it, to – it's not about the, the double whammy and the middle eights and all that stuff. It's not. It's just about if you have an extra possession, you'd rather know the game flow a little bit more. Like if you're down three scores, you'd rather – and you'd rather have the extra possession in the second half so you know you're down 3 scores and you need to play differently. That's what it really is. Yeah, that's another one of those that's a prayer not a strategy. Like let's just let's just be winning. But like I don't
1: mind. Yeah, let's But you definitely can't control that in the second half. If you take Oh, the I don't ball. mind.
0: Like take the ball. Like fine. I don't care. Like the difference between taking the ball in the first or the second half I think is marginal. I would always take it in the second half because of these reasons. And if there's a chance right now, I think it's fine. Yeah. I'd say yes. Take the ball if you have the opportunity because there's a chance that this Niners wagon is worse with a lead. Yeah. But I would also say that's with a depth how depth. do I get the lead the same way you did, got the lead against Dallas, which was we got to create explosive plays in the pass game. And I do think Seattle is best fit to do that or best set up to do that now than they've ever been because of JSN and his emergence.
1: I think the overall point being the only way of stopping this 49ers team right now is to put them in a hole and change the way their offense plays the game because you can't stop it the way it is otherwise. No, I agree. So take the ball. Try to score early. Hit it, bomb to DK go up seven and then try and desperately get a stop and try and get a second score. And then the whole game changes in your
0: favor. Yeah, it's definitely a Wednesday question. But again, I'll say like coaches, coaches are very funny. They'll say, no, no, analytics are stupid, but they'll also search for like the one, they'll look for stats that say, every time you block a punch, you win 90% of their games. And they'll like cling to that thing. And yeah, the team who scores first wins like 58% of their games or 60%, whatever it is, because usually the better teams score first. So it's not something that you... So how do you do that? And and it's like, hey, you need to just be good on third down. All right, so how do I do that? Like practice more? So yeah, it's a very difficult thing to just do, like say, let's do well in the most important situations. However, there is a way to call the game to say, we need to be more aggressive early to try to get up. And so I will buy into that as a strategy. If you're the underdog Seahawks or underdog anybody, try to get up on the Niners early, be so aggressive early, And try to make it, you know, a game where they do have to try to play from behind. So I'll agree with that mostly. (laughs) Ten and a half, though. Look, Seattle showed that I think they can hang with Dallas, but yeah, the Niners—they're just too good, man. Seattle's finishing this stretch of very difficult games here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Forty-Nine, unless unless what we just described happens, happens, i.e., Seattle can completely change the dynamic of the game early and force the 49ers into a game script situation they haven't been used to, then I think the 49ers will just walk away
0: with it. Two weeks ago, Seattle's pass, pass blocking. They couldn't handle the Niners. The pass blocking wasn't much better against Dallas, but Geno just kept throwing dimes. Yeah. Like, I mean, Again, that's not like a bottle it up and do it, but right. if Geno can hit throws like that, they can at least maybe hang and score enough points, and then you hope for some volatility here. But yeah, I'll take the... Ten and a half is a lot. But, but I don't like the 49ers. Keep,
1: the 49ers' defense is so good that I don't think it's a realistic strategy to just try and keep pace with them. Like, I think you actually need to knock their offense out of their game script and change it.
0: That No, that part I think is fair because then they don't, you know, they can, they can go through everything that they do, exploit linebackers, run the ball when they want to, Debo Samuel, and there's just too many answers for the Niners. But, yeah, if they do become a little bit more one-dimensional, it, it is – maybe the one advantage that teams have against a shanahan team all right we got the denver broncos at the los angeles chargers chargers are favored by two and a half mm-hmm. against the broncos here uh broncos fell to six and six with their loss last week chargers five and seven so if the chargers pull the win off here they'll uh, have the same record six and seven yes so broncos come back down to earth a little bit last week with the loss very turnover heavy on that defensive side of the ball can they do that they get back to that against the Chargers uh
1: yeah I mean coming back down to earth a bit against a good team though um I, this is one of those lines that stands out each week as not off but you know surprising like Denver's Denver have been playing a lot better uh on both sides of the ball over the course of the year I think their defense is good enough to cause the Chargers problems particularly when they have a banged up offense like not everybody almost nobody is healthy on the offense certainly from a skill position point of view um and like they they put up six points last week in their in their win and cover against the patriots but like i think denver will be able to have success on both sides of the ball and i I think the Chargers are just too banged up to overcome that can the chargers catch
0: the ball i mean sure will be the question here will they catch herbert's passes a little easier maybe in the dome than playing in green bay or in the rain in new england but i mean again herbert has overall i think played pretty well we keep asking our question about the the kellen moore experience with herbert and you know have we learned anything or you know has it's a team averaging similar number of points and you know herbert's style has changed a little bit but the performance is you know ends up being similar i do think overall it's been more good than bad though and i, I really think when you look at the chargers it ends up being just personnel problems, which I didn't expect. I mean, people are excited about the Chargers every year because the personnel looks good, but I think the skill position personnel, when you lose Mike Williams and you just, you get the worst of the top drafted rookie receivers, I mean, then yeah. it, That's the it's thing. a challenge. So right? it's
1: ended up being exactly the same story again. We right. just ended, we've just come by that, uh, by a different route to get there. Like normally it's been oh, all their best players get injured and blah, blah, blah. Now, some of their best players have been injured, but even guys like Austin es- Eckler got injured and then has come back and hasn't looked like the same Doesn't guy look good. yet. No. Now, I don't know if that's sort of malicious compliance because of the contract stuff, or if he's simply not 100% or hasn't been able to come back to 100% since being injured, but he's not the same threat that he was before getting hurt. Um, and then Quentin Johnson is the other obvious, just absolute body blow to what this offense is achieving right now. in a In an era where wide receivers overwhelmingly are able to just step into the NFL and produce and be really good. Johnson's struggling,
0: and that's crippling the offense. You'll like this. Yeah. My um, my checking account gives me alerts when things get spent. Right. Yeah. So my wife's over in Disneyland. Ooh. Right? So I just got an alert that it was only $11.73. Oh. Huh. That was spent at Mint Julep Bar, <laughs> though. Yeah. So I don't... I don't know what's happening out there. I know she's not drinking, but I don't know what she got at the Mint Julep Bar for $11.73. I just, I mean, I just had to bring it up because you love your, uh, you love your Mint Juleps.
1: I mean, I wouldn't have thought you could get much in Disney for $11 and whatever that was. Oh, it's probably a
0: pack of gum, right? Is what I'm assuming (laughs) over there, or it's like an ice cream bar. But I don't know. I just thought that was funny. It just came in. Breaking news. Russ had the uh, you know volatile game the other day, a bunch of big-time throws, but a few turnover-worthy plays, including the one at the end. We're still seeing him and Cortland Sutton connect but once a game. I don't know if the Broncos can keep this up, though, right? They've, they've been super run-heavy, relying on the defense and the turnovers the last, the last few weeks. It's, it's a difficult thing to sustain, but um, they've definitely turned that defense around from – the historic pace that they were on earlier. Yeah, and
1: Denver have left a lot of plays on the table the last couple of weeks. Like, they, I think, have been potentially better than their output over the last few weeks. I just, I don't know. I think the Chargers are too banged up. I feel like Denver's actually better than that on both sides of the ball. I think they'll win.
0: Your friend, uh, Mark Schlereth, another one of your heroes out there. Mark Schlereth, I guess, went to town on uh, Russell Wilson the other day. How bad It was Schlereth, right? Was that how, how bad he played?
1: yeah. Well, he thinks the he thinks making the offensive line look bad. Schlereth oh. in the like the offensive line
0: uh, union. Oh, I get like to. that. I mean, it depends on how you're judging the offensive line. There's ways to isolate the offensive line performance outside of the QB. Yeah, there's ways to do that. But yeah, he doesn't. He's never been O line friendly. No. All right, we're going with this one. Broncos. Denver. Uh, sorry, Chargers favored by two and a half. You're taking the Broncos here yep. on the road. Going back to the Chargers. Well. Back to the Chargers as well. They're going to make a run here. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me a thousand times. Keep, shame on shame on you still. Shame on somebody. It's still shame on you. Um, yeah, I'll take the Chargers to cover the three. All right, Monday night football, doubleheader. We've made it to the last two games here. Tennessee Titans at the Miami Dolphins. So these games are both going off at the same time too? Yeah. That's not too bad. All right.
1: That's one of them is a Manning game, right? Isn't that how they're doing it? One of them is – I don't know. One of them is the main – Troy and Joe, and is the Manning the other one? Well, the last
0: time they did the Monday doubleheader, they brought in uh, Dano, no, well, Chris Lewis. Fowler. Yeah, it was Fowler. Oh, Yeah, so I see. I think they have Lou because Lewis is uh, tweeting all about the right. So Dolphins it's Fowler
1: lately. is the play by play, and then Sweet Lou and Dano, right? And yeah, that sounds right in the booth.
0: So it's not a Manning game.
1: I think, but I think I don't know. Whatever. I think the Mannings are doing one of them, but probably yeah, probably not as the main broadcast.
0: Titans at the Dolphins. At Dolphins favored by thirteen and a half here. Yeah. Again, the Titans have um, – they did just lose in Nashville. They did. But they have not won a game outside of Nashville either. Mm-hmm. Dolphins by 13 and a half here on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Um, some news today. Austin Jackson, right tackle for the Dolphins, has just been re-upped. Mm-hmm. He is in the middle of a career year, year four.
1: Yeah, we talked where, about that yesterday. In yeah. fact, talked about his prospective future contract yesterday.
0: Well, look at that. Nailed it. Um, yeah. Play, it's, the, remember, it's a right tackle-friendly system, the Shanahan – mcdaniel scheme and so they got the best out of austin jackson so far this year coming off his best game too yeah especially from a run blocking perspective
1: um yeah i mean we talked yesterday like he's having a career year and he's definitely better it's not like it's been good though <laughs> outside of like the last game uh or two of the last three games i guess but is manning you know,
0: cast doing both games is that somebody said that in the ben chat says, i don't know no if that's manning a joke cast. There's no man in cast. According to Ben, Ben Stockwell, our live oh, fact checker He's better than the person in the chat times, that's lying to me. That he guy.
1: says no man in cast whatsoever. So if Ben is telling the truth, that's
0: the story. Um, ben spends a lot of time listening to us. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, and actually paying attention enough to be able to fact check us I at know. all times.
0: Do you work, Ben? I'm just kidding. Love
1: you. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Something about
0: uh, Austin Jackson at right tackle.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you yeah brought that up, whatever. <laughs> it's difficult to see how the Titans can slow down this Miami offense, which is why the spread is 13 and a half points.
0: Yeah. As of last week, I haven't double checked it, but the um, EPA per play against outside corners, Titans were worst in the NFL.
1: The Titans have nobody on defense that can come close to matching up the Tyreek Hill.
0: Yeah. And it's I mean, not
1: unique to them, but like they appear to be,
0: they especially seem to be a problem for that. The uh, the MVP hype for Tyreek Hill seems to be at a pinnacle right now. Again, as you don't have, I wrote an article advocating. For you me. wrote about it. What was your? How did? Do you have thirty seconds to tell us how you?
1: And we were basically covered that on the Monday show, I think, right? Which is, in order to construct an MVP case for a wide receiver, you need to be able to make the argument that he's the more important element than the quarterback. And I think, as you said, as we concluded on Monday, you can do that for Tyreek. It's just a multiple year. Yeah. Argument that's quite disingenuous, but you can at least sell it, right? It's like we know there are more than one factor involved in each of these elements, right? The Alex Smith thing, the Patrick Mahomes thing, the Tyreek Hill, or the Tyreek Hill Tua thing, but you roll them all together and you say most each one, Tyreek Hill was the more important element of the confounding factors, the credit pie, all that kind of thing. Roll it all together this year, add it to 2,000 yards
0: and everything you see on the tape and you can at least make the argument. Yeah, his yards per route run figure are just out of this world. Um, only getting... Well, it doesn't get really... It gets screwed when he gets negative yards on screens where they throw, you know, badly. But anyway. Um, and then Tennessee, you know, Will Levis. Again, he's been... Um, it's Monday night. It's going to be entertaining. The Dolphins' defense has been sneaky good the last few weeks. Remember, they started kind of slow, but Jalen Ramsey's come back. Mm-hmm. Um, even though losing Jalen Phillips as a pass rusher a couple weeks ago, I think that's it's a tough blow for that defense. But they've been... Uh, they've been good on that side of the ball the last few weeks. Van Ginkel, Van Ginkel making big plays, including the pick six last week. But this will be a fun, Will Levis is going to be fun to watch. Oh, always. Right. He is, he is aggressive throwing the ball down the field. He's running the ball. He's jumping over guys. He's
1: also, he's one of a few quarterbacks in the NFL whose arm is so good, um, the, arm, the classic arm talent thing, right, that it's aesthetically pleasing to watch. Right. Like there are some quarterbacks that just have a good arm and they're just good players, but it's the, you know, you know, the feels that you talk about all the time. You know, you get none of the feels watching them just throw the ball. Will Levis has that Justin Herbert thing where you get the feels just watching him fire a pass at a ridiculous angle or platform and just like rifle it into somebody and like.
0: I was going to say, Herbert, yeah. There's similarities there. The carry, the outside the numbers carry, and a lot of the things we said about Herbert as a rookie. I think Levis has that. Now, that doesn't lead to production. Right. It's just, it's
1: it's not a, it's, yeah, it's not a like connected to winning the game thing. It's just when you're watching a game, it's different. It is something interesting where he makes a few throws a game where you're like, wow, like that is independent of being good or bad at football that is insanely impressive that a guy can fire a pigskin that hard and fast at another human being 20 yards away from it
0: come on son fire that pigskin so yeah i mean it creates some it creates big play opportunities that might may not exist right for other quarterbacks that's what makes levis fascinating um and that he will he will lean into that aggressiveness right so that makes it fun the 13 and a half Huge spread, but yeah, this is what Miami has done against lesser teams. Much like Dallas, when they have the big spread, they tend to cover and make a statement. So, is this a Monday Night statement game for the Dolphins?
1: Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's a statement game as much as I just think they're way
0: better and they'll probably win quite comfortably. Uh, that's a lot of points. I'll take Tennessee though for thirteen and a half. Tennessee's like they have a bad record, but they're not. They're not. Non-competitive. No, you know? I
1: do just think that they are unusually badly equipped to stop Tyreek Hill, even relative to other,
0: uh, other people. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they just allot extra people and just say, okay, everyone else beat us. So those games will happen. I'm going Miami. I'll take Tennessee, though. 13 and a half is a lot.
1: Can I read you just a funny tweet? Of course. Uh, Zach Rosenblatt said nathaniel hackett said that zach wilson had two weeks off to quote unquote center himself and said the goal of the season was always for him to sit and watch and he finally got to do just that this is like the company line selling point of like we didn't bench him he just had a couple of weeks off to center himself and now he's back and ready to rock
0: thoughts (laughs) i have a lot of thoughts (laughs) i'm just picturing this right he gets benched aaron Rodgers, coach rogers comes in mm. he's like hey coach Roger. hack you know what zach needs a little centering he needs some time to center himself he's been off center, <laughs> off center all season he's
1: been leaning to the left the whole time
0: yeah if we get him centered you know maybe we maybe we, maybe we make a run a line is chakra yeah, yeah.
1: Align the whole thing. Feng Shui, the uh, yeah. the QB room.
0: We hit, there, There's no official report about a darkness retreat. No. Because I don't think that's an in-season thing. No. You can't do and you can't do like the... You can't just go
1: off the grid you for You can't like do days.
0: the ghee thing. The cleanse? You can't do the cleanse. You can't no. do that. That's off-season stuff. So. We can't
1: have that because then you're in danger of a Lamar Jackson bathroom emergency during Correct. the game.
0: You don't want that hitting during the game. No. So those are off-season things. Yeah. So an in-season centering, to me... Sounds like it came from Coach Rogers. <laughs> that wasn't Sala or Hackett. No, God, they're They're no. football guys, right? Because when you wake up on a Monday morning as a football guy, you're like, all right, I got the next team. I got a game plan. They're not thinking about my quarterback's got to be centered here. No. That clearly comes from the office of Coach Aaron Rodgers, where he came in and recommended to his fellow coaches on the Jets, hey, we got to get my friend Zach here centered. I would
1: pay to watch somebody inform Coach Sala though, that, that we're going to need a couple of weeks to recenter Zach. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it wasn't a benching at all. They just pitched. Hey, I know, I know, you know, and I know that Zach is our best chance of actually winning games right now. However, he needs to recenter himself. So you're going to have to go with Tim Boyle for a couple of weeks while we get
0: him together. Cool. Gotcha. Rogers is just like it. my friend Tim needs a couple starts. <laughs> Tim's going to go in. My friend Zach's going to get centered for a little bit. I mean rogers is the he's the puppet master here including the offensive coordinator hackett one of his other guys so that's what i'm seeing there maybe that's what mac jones needed in new england a little centering he needed a little mental break. well he needed a he needed a coach Raj advocate on
1: the sideline yeah. instead he's got like taskmaster bill trying to ruin him no bill's trying to
0: mentally make an unstable quarterback so we can get drake may that's what i'm saying All right, leaves us six minutes to talk. The second Monday night football game. Green Bay Packers at the New York Giants. Packers favored by six and a half. The disrespect to Tommy DeVito. Disrespect. Six and a half, underdog. Who's now the starter.
1: Poor old Tyrod lost his job again from getting hurt. He's got more broken ribs. Four of them. Two of them displaced.
0: God, what's up with his ribs?
1: To be Point. fair, I think the previous thing was not – it was just whilst getting a, an injection on his sore ribs, they punctured his lung. It's not like they broke his ribs. It's like his ribs were already sore, and then in the attempt to alleviate the pain, they almost killed him.
0: Yeah. It's been a, it's been a rough <laughs> run for Tyrod the last three or four years. It has, yeah. Can the Packers stay hot here? They're favored by 6.5 in New York, Monday Night Football – I mean, the Packers, the last two weeks, I said it after the Lions game, I said if they play like this, they can beat anybody. Yeah. And they were pretty close to playing like that, again, against the Chiefs. The offense, I don't want to say near-perfect game, but they just they ran the ball effectively. They converted third downs. They created chunk plays. They did everything you need to do to beat the defending Super Bowl champs. And it was the second week in a row that you saw that from the Packers, right? Like, a lot of times as underdogs, a team, you know, they make a little run. And then the favorite, counterpunches and it sometimes ends it. The Packers have been counterpunching the favorites, man. They're coming back. They're like, "No, I don't care. I don't care if you're coming back. We're going to create big plays and Jordan Love is just playing out of his mind these last few weeks."
1: Yeah, and that's really the thing. Like, can that continue? Cuz he, I've never seen a quarterback improve in one specific area, like accurate ball location, throwing the ball where you want it to go and actually hitting that exact spot instantly the way he has. Like Josh Allen did it and Lamar Jackson did it, but it took them at least a year, probably two. Jordan Love did it overnight. He just went randomly, okay, I'm going to start throwing the ball exactly where I want it now. I, I've never seen that. I, I, why would that happen? So either a really weird uh, switch has in fact been flipped in his mind, and he's just a different quarterback now, or he's just been on this weird run where for like three weeks straight he's been in the zone and dialed in. A now, stat,
0: Just a, Brett Coleman um, just tweeted a stat, actually, as I glanced at Twitter his adjusted completion percentage Jordan Love 20 plus yards weeks one to eight was 24 percent last in the NFL and then since week nine 58 percent fifth in the NFL yeah like and things I did completely right switch. he and more I, than doubled his adjusted completion percentage on 20 plus yard throws over the last few weeks
1: and I think the exact ball location you know charting on all throws is an even more uh stark contrast in, in a similar kind of time period it is it is a wild switch now the Giants defense it's not like it's great but it's it's a different it's an interesting challenge for any quarterback, right? Because they are extremely blitz heavy with uh Wink Martindale's scheme. They are in fact 11th in EPA per play against the pass. So it's not incompetent. It's actually a reasonably good defense. But and because it's unique, it is, you know, a different it's like the we talked about earlier with the Vikings, right? They are such a weird scheme to deal with that sometimes it makes teams kind of tense up and go away from their own game and just automatically make themselves worse so it's an interesting game for this Green Bay offense to see if they can sustain the good run because it's a it's a challenge that has caused other offenses problems
0: especially now with um, Christian Watson his hamstring injury is right. officially questionable but it doesn't I mean my guess is you would assume out yeah you would assume out but like the connection that they had had I, I can't get over the fact that Jordan Love a few weeks ago Remember, the best play that they had in a game about a month and a half ago was a, a failed RPO, everybody ran the wrong route, Jordan Love threw up a prayer and it got to a receiver. That was, like, the best play that they had against Pittsburgh. Right. And they weren't the receivers in him, not just accuracy, Sam, but they weren't even on the same page. They looked like they were playing with different playbooks for a while. And now Jordan Love is in the tight red zone on second and long after a negative play, throwing the ball before the break, On a post to Christian Watson, where he throws it to a thimble outside of the defender's reach for a touchdown. I mean, it is night and day—the types of plays, and the confidence that Love is playing with, and the connection that he has with his receivers. Now, they'll miss Watson, but you're getting—you have Jaden Reed, and you have other guys that have stepped up, and Dobbs, and everything. So, um, I'm sorry—the other young receivers, Wicks, and I mean, it's—it's been—it's been been impressive. So, I think Green Bay is going to continue to roll here. And maybe Tommy DeVito, we'll see what happens with DeVito. He'll cover, though. He'll cover. Like, Tommy will definitely cover on Monday Night Football with the world watching. With we could. S- I'm, sure, watch. I'm sure his family's going to be featured heavily here on the broadcast as well. You would think. I mean,
1: outside of the Dallas game, which, again, Dallas has the best pass rush in the NFL and an absolute ball hawker corner. I mean, it's that's a nasty defense to be playing against, particularly when
0: you have a bad offensive line.
1: Outside of that game, he's been pretty good. Yeah.
0: And, uh, and I was I was joking at the time that the Giants were calling better plays, but they've, you know, Dayball's historically a, a good you know, not play caller, but like, he's had good offenses, right? They're they're scheming stuff up pretty well these last few weeks for for Tommy DeVito. Where are you going on this one, Monday Night Football? Hmm, I
1: think you the Giants Tommy. will be able to keep that within six and a half points. I think their defense
0: causes enough problems for Green Bay to keep it closer than that. Yeah, I'm just. I'm not betting against Tommy. No, never. So I'm going to stick with that. We don't bet against Tommy DeVito here. I think the Packers win, but the Giants will keep it close. We had somebody message us that was like, uh, as an Italian,
1: I'm starting to get offended by the Tommy DeVito discourse. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you offended as an Italian? No. I okay. Think it's hilarious. I think, people, <laughs> I think uh,
0: people getting offended by stuff is, you know... Generally. One of the weaknesses of society right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it depends on what you're getting offended by. Yeah. But by... By some harmless jokes. I think it's cool. Gotcha. Good? All right, got to go. Got a meeting. That's what I'm saying. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You'll be back tomorrow. Recap of Thursday Night Football. See you on Monday. Reviewing all the Week 14 NFL action.